Welcome back. Hey, back to the show. Uh, let's do this real quick. There's probably never been a more appropriate advertisement for a podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we want to thank our sponsor, Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries from hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, wood glue, shop carts, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines such as Looks LED lighting and Slido door hardware ensure that every project you create is built to last. Learn more at Hayfla.com. Yeah, and they're back online. They are. <laughs> we are. So we're joined today by Ed. Ed yeah. Cohen. So is it Northeast Director of Hayfla America? Is that it's um yeah, it's like you know, the New York, Mid Atlantic region director mm-hmm. sales. So um up and down the, the eastern coast, I guess from um, you know, central Virginia up through Albany, New York. Wow. That's a big territory. Yeah. It's it's, it's kind of funny. Twenty six years ago, they they asked me to manage from Central Virginia up through Maine. And <laughs> over the years, it just kind of changes. I think we had seven sales reps back then, and now we probably have about 40 in that same area. Wow. Just the strata of people between that region, you know, Virginia, all the way up to upstate New York. And the business diversification, right? Anything mm-hmm. from, you know, a two-man cabinet shop up to a, um, you know, 5,000-man cabinet shop mm-hmm. and all kinds of industries. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we never really plan like what we're going to talk about. So um, I don't know if maybe you want to, um, I mean, because we've talked about it, but we're, we're laymen. Um, maybe tell everyone a little bit about Hayflow, what exactly the company does, the history a little bit. Yeah, it's great. Um, thanks for asking. I always like to talk about Hayful as uh, as my family, if you will. Right. So we're getting ready to celebrate our 100th anniversary. We started in southern Germany, just outside the Black Forest. Mm. And literally, you know, Mr. Hayful, who started, um, was producing screws. And he had a bicycle that would tow a wagon. And he, as far as he could pedal, it was sort of his territory <laughs> wow. region. And then he got to the point where he bought this little store fixture and he hired an employee to kind of work in the store and, and add on some little hinges and some little things. And it just kind of evolved from there. Um, and it's kind of interesting because he had two nephews working for him. And he passed away at a young age. So his nephew took over the business and he had a couple of sons. And as it grew and it started becoming international, um, one of the sons came here um, 50 years ago. We're getting ready to celebrate our 50th anniversary and opened up Hayfula America. Hmm. So he opened up Hayfula United States, Mexico, and Canada, um, and just built on it from there. And so we're ready to celebrate our 50th anniversary in September. And we're about a $2 billion company, and we're still family-owned. At the huh. end of the day, it's a few cousins that own it. Um, they're extremely committed to the business and just keep putting everything back into it for a long-term growth. Um, so it's great to work for a family business. And um, as you mentioned earlier, we, you know, we distribute product, but we also manufacture our own products. So looks is led lighting. Um, and we do really the best led lighting out there for cabinetry you know, not architectural lighting, but for cabinetry, we really do the best with it. It's our own house brand. Um, and we, we kind of joke that in a few years from now, people are going to think of Hayfla, well, they're going to know Hay, uh, Hayfla as a lighting company that also <laughs> sells some hardware. <laughs> That's like the ultimate bootstrap story, you know. Like from it is ma- making screws and selling them on a bike to, you know, now a two billion dollar 
I mean, a hundred years, it's not a long time. No, that's, it's like uh, a lot of those come like Macy's or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, RH Macy. It's, it was a guy and he started selling little things. He had one little shop. And then the next generation was able to take it to the next level. And the next generation is able to mm-hmm. take it to the next level, but they're, they're very modest. So for an example, you know, my big boss, Mrs. Hayfield, she drives a Toyota Prius. <laughs> the, the, the worldwide director for Hayfield in Germany, it's sits at our corporate office, the, the number one, it was a woman, right? It was, you know, the, the initial cousin's daughter. She drives a, um, a smart, um, smart, car? Uh, no, sorry, Mini Cooper. She drives a, oh. a Mini Cooper, you know, I mean, Really, you know, it's a $2 billion company, you know, and, 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 and they just don't look at material things as important. What they really think about is building the business. And, you know, if, if, if you need a new uh, machine to do something, spend the money in the machine, invest in it. If you need a new, you know, high-rise distribution center, it, it has a great business model. But just to spend things on frivolous things, it's just um, against their culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're they're in a region in Germany called Schwabia. So the Schwabian, which which they're kind of known for, maybe a little even brag about being cheap, but wise <laughs> with their money. Frugal, you know, frugal. But again, they'll they'll easily reinvest in the business, and they have. Yeah, it's it's from what I understand, it's really more of a European type of model compared to uh, the U.S. where the first thing that would happen is it would go public. Absolutely. And then you're beholden to the shareholders every quarter, and, and that's where the focus of the business goes instead of long-term health and growth. That's exactly right. They're all about long-term growth, um, sustainability, mm-hmm. you know, the next generation, um, and leaving it better. Yeah, it's... Instead of on four-month uh, or three-month cycles. Right. If it's you're, crazy. If you're a CEO of a publicly traded company, you are really judged by the quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, you know. It could be 10 years. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. e- even here when we have a transition of president, you know, um, either at the international level or even in, in the U.S. level, it's, it's common to have the new president sit in with the current president for a year and to go through a th- smooth transition. Well, you like how I got rid of that echo. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, how, you know, we have all these faders here, but there's like virtual faders too. I couldn't figure out how the hell they use them. It's some kind of, I don't know what it is. That was brutal. Yeah. It, it's amazing. It's, it's, again, it's like you're talking about like the bootstrap story. It's like mm-hmm. somebody starting with a fruit cart, you know, pulled by a horse and they're, you know, turn into Safeway or. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look at so many old pictures, you know, and it's just like, really, like, even, you know, they, they, I mean, they were really legitimately were making screws, like, almost like one at a time and just, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you I know, wonder, uh, did they cast screws? Or? You know, it, it's a good question. I don't know how they were doing it, you know, 100 years ago. I guess it was all, I think it was wire, uh, maybe. I yeah. don't know. Um, and, of course, production has changed. And, you know, one of the big things for us was, as you picture it with Ikea furniture, where the assemblies with a cam and a bolt, mm-hmm. you know, long bolt. And that was our, our original design. So we had the original patent on that long cam and bolt um, and, and really made, you know, RTA ready to assemble furniture big. So wow. back in the, um, you know, late 80s and early 90s, there was a lot of. RTA furniture, people would go and buy an entertainment center or a bookcase mm-hmm. and put mm-hmm. it together. And that's not really done so, that, so much today. Um, but uh, back then in the 80s and 90s, that was a big, big business for us. 
Oh, yeah. I've looked at, like, a lot of the connectors you guys have. Some of them are really cool. I don't know what it's called, but it, it has, like, a red end on it. Um, yeah, we call it our red connector. Rayfix? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Rayfix. Yeah. So, so Rayfix is, is, is really... Um, Cool, and what made Rayfix so successful is assembly in closets. Because the other uh, connector I was talking about, which is Minifix, has a long bolt, so you have to come from the outside and push it in. You need this width. Well, with, with a Rayfix, you can just drop it straight down. So if you're in, in a tight closet and you just want to push it in and come straight do. down, or if you're working within a bar, some kind of fixed wall situation, um, Rayfix is an ideal um, situation for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all you Lamella Zato. P2. Hayfoot <laughs> does sell that, but it's not the only game in town. Actually, right. that, it's on that mug. <laughs> Everybody's using that thing like crazy now. It's the hottest. Yeah. And my issue is everyone uses it for these situations where it's like, you know, it's like you could have just put a screw in it, but they're like, <laughs> yeah, I got this new tool. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, the coolest thing is I'll go to a um, a training class, you know, we'll, we'll go over, we'll talk about new products, we'll be learning from it, you know. And then when you go out into the field and you work with your um, creative captain makers like you guys mm -hmm. are, and then you come back a few weeks later, you're like, look what we did with it. Mm -hmm. And it's like something completely different that you would never learn in class but it's like you learn so much from your customers and from their creativity. It's uh, probably one of the funnest parts about it. Yeah. It's, it's like anything, you know, you want to have as many arrows in your quiver as possible. And then, you know, when, when you get, particularly us, we do all these jobs where there's always this weird condition. It's like, well, it's got to go around <laughs> this, this angled wall, yeah. whatever. So the more um, options that you build over the years and, and with connectors and tools and, it just makes every job a little bit easier. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's the reason why you get a lot of work that you get because you don't get the easy stuff. You get the hard stuff, mm -hmm. right? You, you yeah. guys are the ones that have to sit back and think it through and engineer it out and saying, you know, instead of passing on it, you're going to say, no, we can come up with a solution for that. Yeah. Yeah. We used to work for a guy who would say design on the fly, <laughs> um, which we don't really design on the fly, but a, a lot of like the engineering, which I'm kind of using the term liberally, but... Um, a lot of it's on the fly. It's like we sell the job, and we <laughs> then we say how we then we got to figure it out. Yeah, you can you can only plan so much. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, otherwise, you, nothing gets started. You got to get started, right? Then then, oh, yeah. then you dig into it. You know. Yep. Yeah. Even um the those three little jobs I was looking at the mm -hmm. other morning for this designer, and she wants a false panel on that desk so that they could create sort of like a chase. For the oh, wires to drop where behind. your legs go. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Except they want it removable. Right. I'm like, well, yeah, we could do that, but I just want you to understand, you know, because they're always preaching budget, budget, budget. I'm like, right. <laughs> we'll do that, no problem. But you're making it more complicated. Yes, you're making this complicated. You know, we're going to have to charge you to figure this out and to make it so that, you know, the client can take it on and off mm -hmm. easily. You know, we could take it on and off, but we want to make it so that a lay so person could do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anybody could just like put a piece of quarter inch with Velcro on the back yeah. or something, but <laughs> yeah, we or want an elegant solution. Or, or something, yeah. you know, but, uh, they always have that wish list. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, champagne taste on a beer budget. Yeah. Yeah. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, uh, you're also an avid motorcyclist. Yeah. That's my passion. 
I have a couple of passions, and that's really been one that I started about five years ago. Um, I used to think that my ideal vacation was sitting on the beach and about 10 o'clock in the morning getting a pitcher of mojitos and just <laughs> having my feet in the water. And and then I had an opportunity to explore the national parks. Yeah. You know, you're going out to Yellowstone and you look at all the uh, the wildlife and the bison and then camping by a stream and looking at the big sky and just building a fire with your buddies and just, you know, taking a deep breath and appreciating how beautiful um, the country really is mm-hmm. and, and, and the people you get to meet along the way. Um, and it's really been a, um, a growing passion for me. Yeah. And you, you take these rides solo. So for the most part, I got a really good friend in Florida and he and I, we hook up and he's, he was an ex customer, you know, and um, he was in the closet industry and um, um, so he lives in Florida and I'm here in Jersey. So we keep our bikes on the road and we park it either at a dealership to get some service mm-hmm. or we'll put it in a self storage unit. But when we're in some, you know, faraway place and, and people stop to talk to us because they see the motorcycles and they see them with the camping gear on and everything. And then all of a sudden at some point they glance at the license plates. Right. And they're like, Florida, New Jersey? <laughs> like, tell me the story on that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're just touring the country. One week at a time. There you go. You know, we're working, we're busy. We got, you know, active lives. We can't take off for four months like we wish we could, but we could chip away at it one week at a time. Um, for the most part in the winter, we stay down South, you know, mm-hmm. and then in the summer we'll go up North and I'm looking forward to going to, um, you know, Glacier National Park this, this summer. So up in Montana, would you say your vacations are destination based? Yeah, we, we, so what we do is, you know, we, we, we've been looking at, you know, the national parks. We really want to try to hit a lot of the uh, the national parks. And so in, in the very, very beginning, um, when I got my motorcycle license, I was talking to my buddy, Bill, down in Florida. And he told me that, you know, he got this motorcycle, it's an adventure bike, and he goes camping off, and, and I should try it. I said, that sounds great. So what, we, so what he did was I flew out to Washington State, out to Seattle, and we did a, a quick ride at the Pacific Northwest, and I, mm-hmm. and I rented a motorcycle. And then I came back, and I said, you know, it's not just a motorcycle trip. It's a camping trip because mm-hmm. the camping gear and how you pack and load on the bike and, 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 and explore that it is it, just as important. And then, so since then, you know, I got my own, you know, adventure motorcycle and, you know, we're going, and then I realized it's not just the motorcycle trip. It's not just a camping trip. It's an adventure. Yeah. So you take in the whole experience. So if we get a chance to break off and, and go hiking through death Valley or, or, you know, do a little, you know, whitewater rafted or just to visit, you know, walk through some abandoned town, whatever that whole time away is, it's really some kind of unique experience, some kind of adventure. And I, and I really think meeting people along the way are just one of the cool parts about it as well. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I know when I rode um, cross country, one of the things I did map wise was avoid all the, the biggest roads I could. Like I didn't take any interstates and right. no slabbing. You know, you're looking for the, Single lane, twistiest so, routes. So there, there's a company that produces maps called Butler, Butler Maps. Mm-hmm. And I literally have a map of all the states. It's a, it's a big pack. And on there, they'll show the different um, recommended trails and they kind of like rate them. So you could really sit there and, and, and kind of figure out where you want to go. And one of the things I'll do is I'll take some masking tape. And I'll just write on it and put it on my sleeve. So as I'm riding, I know what, 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 what routes I got to take. Otherwise, I forget and I'm not that good with, you know, for some reason, my cell phone, when I try to put the routes in, it doesn't really stick or carry over. It always wants to reroute it a different way. So I'll just write it on masking tape and put it on my on my sleeve. So I was like, okay, I know what's going on now. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and then you're not, you don't feel like you're tied to your phone the whole time, you know, right. you're out there trying to experience everything that's going by. And then, and then my buddy Bill, he doesn't like to have too much of a set plan, right? So kind of the adventure part is, you know, if we feel like going left, we're going left. If we feel like going right, we're going right. If we feel like stopping or going or whatever, you know, hey, this looks like a good place to camp tonight. Let's camp and or let's, let's go on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you got to go with your feeling, especially if you're in the seat in the saddle, you know, for a certain number of hours, sometimes. Uh, well, there, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, well, there's things you just can't predict. Like sometimes, yeah. you know, we're, we're out in Colorado in this huge valley <laughs> and the wind is blowing so hard and you're fighting this wind, you know, and after fighting the wind, you know, leaning for an hour, you're like, that's pretty exhausting, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so there's some, some things you can't, you know, consider taking, you know, pre-plan it and other things you just go, you just want to ride, you know, it stays late light out so late out there you just want to just keep on going and all of a sudden you realize man it's close to eight o'clock oh yeah yeah and the spontaneity is not something that you know is a huge part of most people's day-to-day life you know it's very you know you you deal with a ton of people i'm sure it's like um you're always putting out fires there's always it's the i read this book they call it the tyranny of the urgent there's always something that you have to address. It's like, there's no time to do anything spontaneous. It's like our plates are all full, (laughs) you know? Right. No, we always talk about it, you know, even in our day, you know, because there's so much going on. There's so many balls to juggle. And there's one thing that we can't change. There's one thing that's a fact. There's 24 hours in a day. There's seven days in a week. There's 365 days in a year. So what we choose to decide in that day or that particular moment is really important. So we always sit there and say, what's the most important thing I need to do at this particular moment? It's not the busy stuff. It's the important stuff. Yeah. And then you look at it from the next tier. If I don't do it now, um, it may not be missed, but it's going to be missed soon. So I better do it as soon as possible because if it's not urgent now, it will be urgent, you know, later. <laughs> and, I, and maybe as we approach, <laughs> as maybe as we approach tax season, we, you know, some of us might be saying, Hey, it's time to, to get our taxes soon, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of bike you you ride? Yeah, so it's great. I ride two bikes. So um, at home, which I call it my East Coast bike, but it's my smaller bike. I ride a Triumph Tiger um, 800. It's just this older, cool little bike. It just fits me like a you know an old pair of jeans, and and, and I just really like it, you know. And um, um, you know, I get a chance to take it out for a few days at a time. And then the, the new bike is um, uh, a BMW a GS1250. Okay. So it's a bigger bike. It's a heavier bike, but it's certainly an adventure bike. And then what's cool is so my buddy Bill has the same exact bike in Florida. And then I have four friends from Minnesota, and they all have GS1200 or 1250s, pretty much all the same mm-hmm. bikes, you know. And um, I took a picture. We're in this town in Wyoming. I mean, a nothing town. It wasn't even a gas station, but they had a gas pump. It only worked on one side. So we had to line up, right? So I, I took this picture of these five, you know, kind of expensive BMW motorcycles just waiting in, in a town that, let's just say, uh, had better days. Yeah. <laughs> what color is your Beamer? Yeah, so it's black. It's a triple black. They call uh, it a triple black. So it's it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I had a, a sort of, I don't remember what they called it. It was that golden yellow color. Yeah. Well, that's right now they have, um, th- that's back. They have their, their anniversary edition, which is black. And they have like, you know, um, gold, you know, I guess bark busters or, you know, yeah, you know yeah. and, and they also have some gold, gold trim on it, you know, yeah. and it's pretty cool. That's what my, my buddy has. Yeah. I had hard, you have hard bags on the beam. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. 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 Gives me support when I fall, you know, they kind of, <laughs> you know, lay down, lay down the hearts. So I got some gap between my 
feet and legs in the bike and, you know, you know, I mean, hitting some soft gravel and it's, it's always a little fishy over there, you know? Yeah. You, you forget it's like a 500 pound plus motorcycle. Yeah. I mean, and if you go too slow, you're going to fall. If you go too yeah. fast, you're going to fall. And, you know, so you kind of just get a feel for it. And then just as you're feeling good and you drift off for a second, that front wheel wants to take off on you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, we did this great little ride. There was six of us. And we're going down a two-lane highway, right? One lane in each direction. We peeled off that one lane, and we rode 26 miles on a dirt gravel road to get to our campsite. And out there, um, what do you call it when when the cattle are free range? Yeah. They're not, you know, they're just like wandering around. You know, we're crossing this road, and this guy's cattle's you know running around, and there's all these different obstacles, and you know, there's no guards on the road. You know, you're just you're just going. You know. Yeah. Um, now this is I had a bike. 20 years ago now, and I think, um, unless I'm misremembering, it had ABS. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 so this was a long time ago, and it was a bike with ABS. Yeah. Uh, they that was pretty fast back the, then, huh? Yeah, they have all the bells and whistles, let's just say. Yeah, so now on my BMW, I have six different riding modes. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have six different riding modes. So it could be enduro. It could be, you know, uh, rain, right? It could be road. Yeah. You know, it could be, you know, performance and, and enduro, mm -hmm. you know, which, which we'll put in. But not only that, but my, my heated... Hand grips, grips yeah. and, my, and my heated seat have five different temperature settings. Oh, a heated seat now. Well, even a heated seat has five different. So all of a sudden, you're like, man, I'm cooking. I got to you know, yeah. turn this down. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. not necessarily evenly heated, you know. You know, the heated grips were a big thing. And then just having the outlet on there for, you know, plugging in a vest or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that, yeah. that the big thing, which I haven't invested in yet, is the... Um, I guess it's like the airbag vests, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, if you fall oh, off the bike, yeah. it'll kind of, you know, you know, I've seen, huh. um, little, uh, not videos, but I, I don't know. I, it's stuff on social media. I've seen it where somebody, you know, falls and it, it, it it's kind of like a life jacket, you know, yeah, you yeah, fall exactly. The water. So, so I was just, I was riding, you know, this past couple of days in Pennsylvania, I had the opportunity to work and ride my bike, which is like, you know, my two passions. Right. And in, and in Pennsylvania, you don't have to wear your helmet. You know, and I don't need to get into if that's the right thing or wrong thing. <laughs> but I'm like, it's just from my own personal belief, I like to protect myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I got a brain that's worth protecting. So I'm going to wear a helmet. And then, you know, I'm thinking about getting a vest. <laughs> I'm in Pennsylvania. Guys, they're wearing, you know, like tank top T-shirts. There's no helmet. And and, and and in one sense, it's beautiful. They got the, the you know, the, the wind in their face and they're enjoying the moment. Right. But. I'm always afraid of that moment when you're least expecting it. Listen, that's, I never went out without my, you know, proper gear, full face helmet, glasses, gloves, boots, you know, a, a riding jacket and, and weather permitting let, you know, I, I had, um, these, uh, leather overalls, uh, you know, sort of like a, a one piece kind of suit. Yeah. Um, yep. no, I agree. I mean, I joke around it, you know, when I was, whatever, eight or nine years old. And I'm, and I'm riding my cool bicycle with, with the banana seat, you know, and the, and the sissy bar or whatever. And then all of a sudden you hit your brakes and you, and you fall on the pavement and you scrape your knee and your elbow and, and you're all bleeding. You're kind of banged up. You know, wow, that's an ouch. And I can still remember, you know, 50 years later. Right. Um, could you just imagine going 50 miles an hour on a 600 pound bike? <laughs> yeah. I have a scar still from, I was a kid and you know, like went, uh, skidded out down a hill and like scraped my arm. And it was like, you know, you get that the gravel in there. Yeah, you, yeah, it gets like a green like film on top of it after a couple of days. 
So just imagine your your your, your face kissing the street. You know? Oh yeah, you know? I, yeah. I mean, if you have kids or you know, if you have if you have anybody that cares about you, you should yeah. probably be wearing a helmet. Yeah, at the very least, a helmet. It's right? pretty irresponsible. Uh, I mean, that's my take on it. I I when I was thirteen, I was in a motorcycle accident. Helmet saved my life. So maybe that colors my judgment. Um, freedom of choice and everything. I'm a big proponent of it, but um. I don't trust the dr other drivers on the road. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm perfectly uh, comfortable with my own abilities, but it's I'm not thinking I'm going to be in a one cycle accident. You know, that's not what's going to do me in. And people are more distracted today than ever. Oh, you know, you talk about their cell phones and and and, and everything else, and it's it's just a low. You know, people you want to swerving over just, the line they, all the and, time, and they don't know it. They're just simply distracted. You know, and it's just. Yeah. You know, I'm always afraid of, um, you know, when, when I'm at a red light, I'm always looking in my rear view mirror oh, yeah. to whoever's approaching me. You know, I always have it in first gear with my foot ready to go if I need to, the exit plan, you know. And then when I'm riding on the highway, I'm always thinking that person swerves, what's my exit plan? How do, how do I handle That's that That's the thing about riding a bike. You're always got to be like three steps ahead. You got to know everybody. Jeff kind of drives like that too, even in the, in the vehicle. He's really good, but got no choice. <laughs> that's that's the way a biker thinks. You know, right. you're looking at everybody so on the road and what they could possibly do. Right. But your mom was just yeah, she was driving like forty on thirty scare the hell out route thirty three <laughs> and got rear ended by some old man. He was doing like eighty miles an hour. <laughs> wow, she was doing forty. Yeah, she was she moving. Was, yeah. she, was, she was moving. Totaled her car, and the guy just plowed in from behind her. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, that's, uh, route thirty three is not exactly the interstate. I mean, it's a no, busy road, but it's but it's yeah, it's like uh, it's not even as busy as like thirty five. You know, there's no. no there's no median or anything. No, right, it's two lanes. Yeah. I guess he was distracted, or, or I guess he was in a rush. I don't, he was like all discombobulated afterwards. No, no insurance documents in the car. You know. <laughs> but imagine being on a bike. Oh, oh you, yeah, you're dead. Yeah, well, I've seen a couple of videos lately of, uh, you know, people just like changing lanes into a biker. Or I saw one. It, it looked like it was out west. These two guys are on motors. You know, it's it's one guy uh, riding a motorcycle, and then the camera is the guy behind him. He's got, I guess, on his helmet or something. And they go around a bend and a car just comes screaming around the corner like, you know, some sports car or something and just hits the guy. The guy does a flip, lands on the roof. Ugh. It was like, man. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's every day. Every day there's a close call. Every day there's oh, a situation. Yeah. Even today I came off the parkway to merge onto Route 36 and there's another lane that comes in there and the lady just didn't merge at all. And she goes right into my lane yeah. and I look at her and she looks at me like I'm crazy. Like I'm the bad guy. Like yeah. I should have like moved out of her yeah. way, you know, yeah. which, you know? Yeah. So people are distracted and, and, and that's certainly um, and aggressive. Uh, it's, and aggressive is um, at least living out in California. I don't know if it's just the attitude or the more uh, uh, number of bikes on the road, but people had a, a more of a courtesy for bikes uh, it was there. more of a bike culture, maybe, you know? Maybe, yeah. But, but I think, generally speaking, um, people in New Jersey are pretty aggressive with their yeah. driving. You yeah. know, just, yeah. I, I have, you know, you know, friends and colleagues that come in from out of state, they're like, man, you guys are, like, pretty intense out here when you're driving. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. nobody going to, you know, guys, like, I was trying to exit, and I had my blinker on, but nobody's giving me a chance to come in. They're, like, speeding up so so they can't cut, I can't cut them off, you know? And it's like, please, I just want to get over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other thing I noticed right off when I got here, too, 
was the uh, bikers here. It's it's a lot of like you know stoplight to stoplight racing kind of thing. You know, so there's not. I mean, where I came from, there's a lot of riding. You know, you're you're looking for twisties. You're and when you're in traffic and everything like that, you're showing a certain amount of judgment and. You know, even if you're lane splitting or whatever, you, there's a certain amount of courtesy. We're here. There, I feel like people are trying to be obnoxious. I'm not gonna let this guy get in front of me. I'm not gonna like let him yeah. split the lane in front of me. And and it just like what you're saying. Even just today, I had a Tesla who wanted to race me off the the red light. You know, yeah. as it turned green, and I'm like I'm hitting the gas because the bike will normally just accelerate much yeah. faster. And this guy had to make a point that you know he could keep up with me. I'm like, yeah. like hey, you win. <laughs> I'm right. not really racing, you know. You know, I'm not in this race. You know, I have nothing to prove. I just want to have fun. That happened to me yesterday. I don't know if I don't know if were you behind me yesterday when we were yeah going home? yeah. There was like I a, saw that. a Toyota it happens to you, like a forerunner or something. He gets into like the turn lane at a light to like race me. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I noticed that's another big trend. You're all in that right lane, which is which is really it's an exit. Mm-hmm. For like a jug handle, or for a something. jug and handle, they go through the and, through and, the, and they speed through it. It's like, yeah. where are you going? The next light's only a quarter mile down the road, right. and, and, and it's going to turn red. They're all time, yeah. yeah. So that you, you know, so you, regardless of what you're doing, you're just racing to hit your brakes. Yeah, I guess I don't. know. Maybe I'm just getting older. I'm just getting chilled. You know. Yeah, it's it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I guess you know. Um, but it, it's funny because coming to work in the morning, you, you know where the old shop was. Yeah, sure. So that's where I live. I get out onto 35, uh, 36 and there's two lights and they're timed, you know, so I know exactly. <laughs> and the same people that are, you know, on the road with me, they're commuters too. Every day. So they know, but from one light to the next, probably 10 people pass me. I ride in the right hand lane. I, I time the light, go straight through, never have to touch my brake. Ten people will pass me on the left side and I have to stop. And I passed. You, you almost want to just wave <laughs> to them, you know, it's just like, say, hey, yes. yeah. nobody here in the right lane where we're going no stress, through. <laughs> no stress over here. So I get on the 36 at Main Street, Belford. Yeah. I go down Leonardville. I, I bang a, a right onto Main Street and then I make a left onto the 36. I know that if I don't go 65 or faster, I'm going to hit the light <laughs> hit at the Main light. Street, Port Mollet. So you got to hit so it. So I, yeah, and, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, there's no way on the road no. anyway. Um, yeah, because you're taking the left. So I'll get through, and then I look at my rearview mirror, and it, like, just turns yellow. Yeah. Unless that commuter bus pulls out in front of you, that Academy oh, commuter bus. They're they're the worst. <laughs> oh, they're the yeah. most aggressive, yeah. yeah. They're, they're a big turn lane, because they get into that lane to pick people up and drop people off, and then they yeah. just they just go for it. Yeah, I guess, you know, they, they get disgusted, at, you know, having to drive all day, every yeah. day. And Well, that's one thing when you're driving professionally, too. Yeah. I'll give you a little bit of leeway. Yeah. You know, you. Yeah, but I think some of those guys, from, at least in the old days, some of those guys would have a gig where they would have a regular job in the city. Let's say they were a building superintendent. Mm-hmm. They, they'd get a ride where they could drive the bus in, like to <laughs> fill it up, work, and they drive the bus out. Um, so they're only just doing one loop and that's wow. just like a part-time job in, in addition to the regular that's daytime. A gig. Yeah, it's a gig yeah. and, you know, pays for their commute and, yeah. they, and they make a few extra dollars and I guess it was pretty good for them. Yeah. It's like, man, I was going to drive anyway. Yeah. I had, to, I had to go into the city anyway. I might as well get paid for it. And my day's a little bit longer, but everybody seems like needs a side hustle these days. You got yeah. free parking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
maybe benefits. I don't know. Yeah, the side. That's that's a good way to put it. Side hustle. We we call yeah. that second job where I come from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's second, 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 second job seems like a lot of work. A real cool. yeah, but I, I got a side hustle. I got this thing going on. You know, I know yeah. a guy who knows a guy, and he's helped me out. You that's know, that's hip, man. I have side hustle. Yeah. Now the big side hustle thing is like you know like it, woodworking or whatever, but. <laughs> Typically on those kind of side hustles, <laughs> nobody's making any money. No. <laughs> They're undercutting the it's real more, yeah, people. Yeah. It's just supplementing a hobby. That takes the fun out of doing a job though, does it? Yeah. Not making any money. Well I don't know. It might be the opposite. There's a lot of people who like, you know, they're like, oh man, you guys live in the life. You get to do woodworking as a job. It's like, try doing it as a job. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see how much you really don't like woodworking. Because it's a job. I mean, all jobs are a job. Yeah. Work. Yeah. I mean, you got deadlines and you have budgets, right? And yeah. then you have all these other outside factors. And you have, all you know, supply issues and deliveries. And, and then, you know, as we were talking about before, there's the unknown. Yeah. You, know, you don't really know all the facts until you get deep into the job. And then it's like, sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you get unlucky, yeah. you know? Sometimes your supplier goes down for uh, <laughs> a month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Are you able to talk about that at all? Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, we yeah. mentioned, you know, sort of... That's interesting, really. I mean, it's and it's very topical yeah. for to any industry, really. It's uh, it's still pretty emotional, tell you the truth, because, um, you know, and, and I kind of joked around... I was at the Kitchen and Bath Show in Las Vegas, which was the very, very end of January, maybe February mm -hmm. 1st. And I'm on really like an all-time high, right? You know, we came off the pandemic and we're like, our, you know, we're breaking through this and business is going great. And I had some really good projects fall in place. And it just seems like everything was going right. And I just know from experience that when everything is going right, you can get hit <laughs> in the back of the head with a two by four. You don't yep. know when, you don't know where, you don't know yeah. what it looks like. And all of a sudden, somebody says, man, we got, you know, ransomware, you know, they, they, they hijacked this, you know, I'm like, really? And then sure enough, um, they did. And, you know, we were, we were prepared for it as best as we could. You know, we had all of our, um, our, our data backed up, you know, came through Germany. And um, so they were all backed up and we lost a few hours only in the U.S., um, but we weren't going to um, pay the ransomware. We're, we just went and we rebuilt our servers. So we put three servers in, one in Germany, one in the U.S., and one in Australia. But we really had to kind of build it up from 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 the beginning up. And so now we're shipping. We're about 80% there, 85%. You know, um, uh, today a customer told me he placed an order on Monday around lunchtime, and it showed up yesterday afternoon. So, it, you know, kind of yeah. within that 24-hour window, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, um, but it's it's an emotional toll. And, and the reason is, is that I couldn't give answers. You know, I, you know, my customers, you know, I've been with Hayful for over 31 years. I have customers who I've been selling for over 31 years. They just become your friends mm -hmm. and, and you become a part of their business. You all kind of grew together and, and they rely on you. And then, you know, if, if they're routing out a channel for your lighting or some kind of specialty hardware, they can't just buy it somewhere else. No. You know, if it's a hinge or a draw, so I'm sorry, you know, I can't sell you a hinge, but, you know, there's five other people who can do it. Just get one of them there, mm -hmm. you know. But if it's something special, then I really hold up their job and, and, I, and I can feel and sense their stress. So I'm disappointed in my customers who are my friends and then our suppliers, right? Their business is based on our, on our volume and, and our consumption. Mm -hmm. And there's also the people that kind of, you know, call vendors, you know, the, the person who supplies you with cardboard or other kind of material, or even the person who comes in and, you know, replenishes your, you know, your coffee machines. If you don't have people right. coming in, it's this domino effect that affects so many people negatively that it's really frustrating. Tens of thousands of people probably. Yeah. You know, the guys it's, driving it, the trucks who it's, 
Right. It's 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 this this thing that you don't even really calculate until you really start thinking about it, and then you start getting frustrated. The only thing that I'm really optimistic about or excited about is when you rebuild something. You rebuild it better. <laughs> and and I already see some of the changes that are taking place, and I'm really excited about it. I know the next few months will still be a little challenging, but I'm so excited about the future and, and, and the improved um, processes and, and software and all. So uh, That's the future, cool. yeah, the future's excited. I'm looking forward to it. But it's been um, a, a, an emotional, physical challenge in, in dealing with it, you know. And some other people in our industry have gotten hit. Um, customers have gotten hit. You know, I know one particular one in Pennsylvania got hit and a machinery company got hit. And, um, yeah. I'm happy to hear you guys didn't pay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the, 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 the company, the customer, um, that got hit, the FBI comes in and says, don't pay because that's just what motivates them to do it. And two weeks into it, they're like, sorry, we got to pay. We got to, we got, we got to get our machinery up and running. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I believe honestly we could afford it to pay, but it was just against our, our, our moral beliefs that we're not giving into these criminals mm -hmm. and we're just going to um, just start it from scratch and we're going to build it and we're going to have a couple of rough weeks and turn into maybe a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I, I believe, you know, the quality company we are, we did it the right way. We handled it the right way. And, and like I said, we're building it better and stronger and, and, and made some changes and we're going to be here for the long run for our customer. And, and what was the response from most of your customers? It was all over the board, right? I mean, I've had guys who literally said to me in an emotional, an emotional time that, um, you know, I'm, I'm awful, right? Like I can't just pick up the phone and call one of my buddies and say, Hey, can you go over to the shelf and, and get this and just ship it out to me? You know? And, and, and I'm trying to explain how it's, it's not even a needle in a haystack, how big our distribution center is and that everything's down. So I don't know what shelf or what rack that item is. And, and, you know, it's like a hundred feet high and it's hundreds of feet deep, you know, and, and there's, 20 or 30 different aisles. I, I, I just can't do it, you know? And they, so they can't understand why I can't help them. I had other people said, they're going to sue me because, because of their jobs, you know? Oh, geez. And then I had other people said, Hey, I'm really sorry to hear you going through this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy three times more than I need to. So this way you just make one big shipment to me and this will have plenty of stock. There won't be any urgency. I just know that if my lead time is 12 or 16 weeks out there, I just need to buy it earlier in the cycle. Mm -hmm. So this way I'm not calling you up today and saying you need it tomorrow. Yeah. And that was really the bulk. And even the people who, um, who, um, you know, came down on me a little bit. I, I know it's an emotional um, pressure that they're having that they're dealing with. And that, you know, we'll, we'll all walk, work through it. It's just, they got to get through the moment. And, and that's what's so frustrating. You just feel that they got this job, they got a payroll to make, they got, you know, commitments to make. And, and I just know there's a lot of factors and, and we all blow a gasket once in a while, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the it's new nothing, war though, right? It, it, it's, right. It's, it is the new, uh, the it's, new crime. It's, it's just, I can't even imagine how much money these guys were making and how many companies that they hit, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Somebody said that in the summertime, the um, the ransomware declines. They all go on vacation. Oh, God. <laughs> they, all, like, they leave like, you know, Russia or someplace and they, they all go on vacation for a couple of months and it picks back up in the fall. I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe a, a joke. But that's what somebody was saying, you know. No, I'm sure it's not. I, I, I don't know where they go on vacation, though. You know, I mean, is it Miami Beach? I don't know. <laughs> South south of France or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They're in those big yachts. Yeah. <laughs> the Mediterranean, right? They're in Seaside Heights in one of those crappy <laughs> motels. 
playing mini golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the online scam stuff is insane. Oh, um, you're afraid to click on anything, regardless what you do as oh, a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As yeah. much, you know, um, um, preventive policies you have in place and, and, and all the programs you put in place, you have one employee kick, click on the wrong link and you just let them in. Yeah. Oh, jeez. You know, all that work, you know, how many thousand employees that we have are just yeah. down. We got a an email from, who was it? it must have been QuickBooks or something where, um, you know, we had to like activate some sort of whatever anti-ransomware thing just because like, you know, we receive ACH payments and credit card payments and stuff. So it's like we need to legally, according to QuickBooks, need to protect the, all of our clients' information and everything. Right, right. So they're, they're getting smarter, right? They're taking that extra step, that two-step, yeah. you know, yeah. revocation and, yep. and, you know. But when you get an email, you always want to really dive in to see who that sender is. Mm-hmm. Because oh, they yeah. have a pretty good way of camouflaging it, you know? Yeah. It looks... Yeah, very clever. Yeah. It looks like your your bank, but really it's, you know... Right. Like the name will say like PNC Bank, but if you click on it, it's like, you know, some gibberish. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And I remember my, my wife got a call. Or a charge. I think she had a charge at a credit card and, and they had a phone number there, you know, on your statement. She called it and she goes, I never made this, this, this charge. And the guys are, oh, no problem. We'll be more than happy to refund it. She goes, oh, great. He goes, what you need to do is you need to go to the store to one of our authorized vendors and buy a, a, a gift card. Oh, <laughs> and, then, and then we'll download the money. We'll, we'll credit the money onto the gift card. Is that okay? And then she's like, what do you think? I go, <laughs> It's crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> don't tell me, please don't tell me you're going to do that. Yeah, this is the IRS. Uh, you owe us $500 yeah. in back taxes. I'm going to need you to go to Walmart, you know, Walmart <laughs> gift card. <laughs> Walmart, or we're going to arrest you this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> I'll tell you this, you know, Maureen at the post office. Yeah. So um, she, we know this lady who works at the post office and she's a real character. And one time uh, an old timer who's also like a regular customer there comes to the post office and he's in line, he's buying like five target gift cards. And she's like, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm not selling you these. She stopped it. Right. Good from, for her. From doing yeah, it. She because, saw that scam before. Yeah. She says, this is a scam, but, um, uh, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I was hit with that. Um, the, the IRS oh, one, yeah. you know, I said, yeah, hang on for a second. I'll, I'll be right back. I'm going to get my credit card. And <laughs> like, listen, the IRS doesn't make phone calls. They send letters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just hold for me, right? Yeah. That's one thing I, I like about American Express. I have a thing where unless I'm present, they send me an email every time there's a charge on the card wow. that I have to okay. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, I get like a notification anytime I use my Amex. Yes. They're um, really good like that. I get like an app notification. So it's like if I'm at work and I, all of a sudden I get a thing and it's not like a, whatever, if I have like a subscription to whatever iCloud, mm-hmm. pay my two ninety nine to iCloud. It's like, what the hell is this? You know, so you can call real quick and catch it. Right. Yeah. Right. I got hit. I was on a rest stop in the middle of who knows where out in the Midwest and I stopped. And I used my debit card for the vending machine where I can just get a bottle of Gatorade or something. And it didn't take it. I'm like, you know, what's the matter? My card's good, you know? And then eventually I had cell signals. I was looking at my phone. They sent me, you know, so they, they froze my account for a certain time. And, and when you're mm. traveling, the last thing you need is yeah. your, your credit yeah. card frozen. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. We had one time, uh, 
when my wife was opening the yoga studio, mm -hmm. we were doing some work and I ordered a bunch of stuff from Home Depot. We needed like stuff we don't typically buy, insulations, two by fours or something. And uh, set it up for delivery, was expecting it to show up and it never showed up. So I call Home Depot. They're like, uh, they're like, yeah, no, your bank canceled that. I'm like, what the hell? So I call <laughs> PNC. They're like, yeah, it seemed fishy. We so we, we I'm like, we're a we're cabinet makers. Like a home de an order from Home Depot seemed fishy. I'm like, didn't you guys think to like call, call me? us? Yeah. I'm like, now I lost you know like three days. Right. Yeah. Just a call, an email, a text, something. Yeah. They're like, know? oh, you had yeah. you know an attempted fraud of like a thousand dollars. You know. Yeah. Doesn't that warrant a phone call? Uh, the best is because the. I'm the, I guess, like the, the card holder. My wife has an Amex card too, but every time she uses it, I get notified. Like, she's oh, like, oh, Neiman, great. Neiman yeah, Marcus. Great. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, you mean you know? Every time I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. You, you really need that three hundred dollars <laughs> worth of makeup. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I don't know if I like that. I'm like, hey, yeah, that's the way it goes. You know what I get is like the Amazon Prime stuff. So like. Yeah. uh uh, like all this stuff on, on our TVs is linked to my Amazon account. So I'd be like, oh, my wife just rented another a movie for five ninety nine. Well, I'm at work. Well, you're at, 10, at work. 10.30 in the morning, she rented yeah, a movie. Yeah, well, my son's probably crying like, oh, I want to watch yeah. the Paw Patrol yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, the laundry's not done. There's no dinner on the table. She tells you how busy she was, right? You're like, yeah. In the old days, they had soap operas. I don't love to yeah. have soap operas anymore. I I remember um what soap opera was it? It was um not General Hospital. It was well, I, Days I, of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives. It was the World Turns. It was one of the um All My Children. It was All My Children. So I was in college and uh one of the girls I was dating watched All My Children and she had a class this one term at the time that all my children was on. So she goes, can you watch all my children? Now you, <laughs> you got to go back in time, yeah. time machine yeah. before you can re record, record stuff. Yeah. And even if you had a VCR, you didn't have one when you were in college back then. Wait, you know? so she wanted you to watch it so you could tell her what happened? Yes. Oh my yes. God. Because. And did you do it? Well, yeah. Because, you know. Take <laughs> <laughs> your battles. So, so I started watching this and unbeknownst to myself, I got hooked on it. Oh, right. you know, it's like being a, a caffeine junkie uh, or something. You so, pulled into the story. Right. So then on the days where she, you know, the other days of the week when she didn't have class. So then she was over and we were watching on my little 13 inch TV. Nice. Yeah. And my, this went on for years that, like, when, after I left school, I, I was started say, How watching. many years were you in school for? <laughs> no, like, afterwards. So then I lived with my cousins, and they both watched it. All right. And so this yeah. it went on for years and years, and I, I watched this soap opera. My, my little soap opera story is um, I was going up, I was selling to the Auburn State Prison. It's a maximum state prison <laughs> in New York State. Oh, I think that's where Brian just was. Oh, they yeah. have a big wood shop. Yeah, right? they have a big yeah, wood shop. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So we're out there looking at the wood shop, you know, and I remember walking through there and this this guy's like like I feel like this little stinging in my leg. Just nothing, just a little stinging. Shiv. And 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 then, <laughs> and the and the guard, the guy goes to me, he goes, I'm gonna catch him. I go, What are you talking about? There's a guy shooting you with staples. <laughs> Oh my God. It's just like, like, it was like nothing. It was not even a mosquito bite, right? You know, and then 
we had to go from the from from where the shop is back to the main gate, and you're going through the yard, and it's these different groups. They're all looking at these like houses. They're like eight like dog houses, like eight feet in the air, and they're all over. Some got big crowds, some got small crowds groups, you know, and they're all broken up, and it's, they're just like staring up, looking at these dog houses, and they're what's up with that? They're all watching TV. They're all watching their soap operas. Oh my God. <laughs> just these big burly guys that are just in in in, in, yeah. in the courtyard at you know maximum state prison and they're sitting outside just watching soap. There's operas. something about those shows. I mean, they they have it. It's like a science, you know, of, yes. of psychology, you know, where they create this need to see what's going to happen. Yeah. It's like rest, like how people watch like wrestling. It's the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think even now we start to um, binge watch TV shows. You know, of course, different. Oh, yeah. So you can kind of catch up before you know it. You know, you're watching like a whole season's worth of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you just sit in front of a TV for eight hours or, you know, watching four or five episodes at a time. And, you know, like for me, it was like Yellowstone. I like I got like caught into Yellowstone. I thought that was a pretty good Corey show. Corey likes that. I, yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I've been watching this show called... Uh, night agent on netflix which is like uh there's like a secret line in the white house if there's like a spy in trouble they call this night agent guy and then he so he gets a phone call which you know the phone never rings but gets a call and then it gets wrapped up in this whole conspiracy it's like a you know like a 24 kind of show like that Ah. it's pretty good yeah sounds great but yeah, you watch and then, you know, you it ends, you look over, I look over my wife, like, you want to watch another one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, or for me, it seems like the next episode just kind of going into play, you know, yeah, you just got yeah. that, that yeah. two minute break that we all kind of need and then yeah. you, you're watching the next mm-hmm. episode and it's like, wow, yeah, we just watched five episodes. <laughs> the, the last show I watched like that, that I, I really wanted to watch episode after episode was um, the show called Life on Mars. Have, did you ever hear of Never it? Never heard of it. It's a British show. I watch a lot of British TV. Why? And, um, what's that? Why? Because of the humor? <laughs> no, I, I don't really like British humor. I like their like um, like their police dramas and their mysteries. And this show, the premise sounds crazy, but it it's so well acted, so well done. It takes place in current day, and this guy who's a DCI. Um, which is um, like a top guy, the top policeman in the in the department. He's gets hit by a car, and he wakes up, and he's in 1973. Wow! And, and but it, it uh, originally he was present time. Yes, and he's dressed in 1973, and like he's in uh, the same city, which is Manchester, and. All this stuff. And so he can't tell if he's in a coma and he's, you know, like imagining these things or if he's really traveled in time. Yeah. Or if he's crazy. Right. So (laughs) there's this, there's the police drama part of it going on. And simultaneously, there's this story going on about what is happening with the 1973 thing. So he just picks up where he left off and he's just, now he's just a cop in 1973. Yeah, he's a cop, but you know, there's this, he's trying to figure out like, you know, and the way he goes to the station and they're like, yeah, you just transferred here from this other station. You requested a transfer. And he's like, what? (laughs) And are all the people the same around him or they're completely different? different. They're all 1973 people. And he thinks 
you know, part of it is he thinks that maybe each character is like a part of his subconscious. He's Mm -hmm. like, why am I here? Am I here to like write some wrong? Or is this person like part of my... Now, does does this resolve at the end of the show? It kind of does. It kind of does. How many seasons? It's two seasons. Yeah, it sounds interesting. That's like the perfect, you know, they're taking these shows like... I was like, you want to watch the new Stranger Things? I'm like, no. I'm like, it's like season four. It's like, yeah. it's gone on too long. There's the only story so much great is, material. Yeah, story yeah they're just, they're clutching on to the idea that this was a hit show. And, you know, when you have to fabricate too much about the story, it just, it goes too yeah, far. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. Because there were eight shows in each season. Mm-hmm. And I told my wife, it's like, man, that was great. And we want more. But if they would have done more, it would have just been rehashing. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like this was perfect. Yeah. There's only so much, you know, like you can't squeeze to, that lemon, yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, shows like sons of anarchy, like yeah. they go like 12 <laughs> seasons, you know, at some point it's like the storylines dried up. Yeah. You know, how well, many crazy things can happen to this group yeah. of people? Even the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Right. How many how many fingers can they break? You know, yeah. like a show yeah. like Seinfeld that can get away with it because it's not this uh, uh, long story arc. Yeah. Like they 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 touch back on past episodes, but it's not this. Um, it's not linear, episodic. Yeah, yeah well, Seinfeld is based on nothing, so mm-hmm. it's easy to write yeah. about nothing. You know, I mean, it's classic, right? When you everybody. You know, they say humor and truth that, you know, it's all the same, right? You know, so you look at Seinfeld, you know, they're looking out the window. Look at that perfect parking spot. When do you ever get a parking spot right in yeah. front of your building? I never <laughs> want to move my car. to a perfect parking spot. It's, look at it, you know? And it's like, yeah, you can all, everybody can relate yeah. to it. Well, you work in New York. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm from New York and I also lived in San Francisco for a long time. Another Big cities. parking hell yeah. place where I've actually come upon parking spaces and thought, this can't be a spot. Right. Like, right. Why is it vacant? There's no way. There's, right. There's, there's I got to read the sign. I, I got to read the sign. I got to be reading. You're, because... you're walking up and down the block. It's like, should I leave my car here? I mean, this can't be a spot. Yeah. We were talking before about how, you know, when everything goes right, you expect some. <laughs> yeah. Our buddy Tim, who uh, he's coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. He, uh, He's up North Jersey, but he does a lot of work in Brooklyn. He does builds a lot of these arched doors. Yeah, he's crazy phenomenal. So he shows up to the job, they unload, and then a spot opens up right in front of this brownstone. So he parks there. And then it was like the whole day was going, <laughs> and then he hit this like huge snag, like where the trim, something happened with the trim. Everything unraveled. I'm like, you should have seen it coming. I'm like, you yep. got a parking yep. spot right in front. I'm like, you know, you only get so many good things before uh, something bad happens. Yeah. I mean, we just work all day and then you hit this traffic, right? If the guy's in Jersey yeah. and he does this great work in Brooklyn or you guys are out in the Hamptons and it's just like, really, it's taking me four hours to drive home, you know? Yep. That was the, was it the first time that we went out there? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was like, we got. We stopped off in Patchogue, so our buddy Corey and Rob had some lunch. We left there about 1 o'clock, and then I think we got back here at, like, it was dark, 8 o'clock or something. Yeah. It was- and, and, and it messes with you, because sometimes you're driving 70 miles an hour, yeah. and, then, and for no reason, all of a sudden, you're slamming on the brakes, mm-hmm. and it's like, what's going on? Yeah, It's just, you're just on the brakes, there's just nowhere to go. Yeah. And then you're almost hitting two different traffic patterns. You know, like yeah. usually, you know, it's traffic leaving the city, you know, at the end of the day or traffic going into the city in the morning. But when you're driving from New Jersey to Long Island, you're hitting like more than one traffic pattern. So you, you hit it and then you get going and it hits you again. Yeah. 
Then you're annoyed. You want to know why there's traffic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was like when we went to Maker Camp. We still don't know what happened. Yeah. We're up, we're on the through, was it the throughway? New York State throughway. Yeah. yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, dead stop. And like as far as you can see, right. just brake lights. There's like a truck next to us with a Moffat on the back. And the guy oh, yeah. actually put the Moffat down and drove down the shoulder to see yeah. what was happening. He, he couldn't yeah. see it. He went pretty far. But all of a sudden, a bunch of cops went the opposite way. Yeah. And then it just opened up. And wow, we have no idea. Yeah. But we were sitting there for an hour. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they're, 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 whatever, they're filling potholes. So you just got to stop the traffic, you know. Mm, and yeah. You can usually see something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, there's unpredictability. I think that's what we deal with all the time. Yeah. That's a good thing about being on a bike. Of course, having hard bags, you're a little bit wider. Yeah, but split can, lanes, you're a little, you're a little bit wider, you know, yeah. and, you know. But I'm gonna just get off the next exit, or I'm just gonna ride this sh the shoulder, and I'll just get off somewhere because I just want to be moving. It's not my destination so much, yeah. but I just want to be moving, having that wind in my face, you know. Oh yeah. Sometimes even here, I'll I'll just get on the bike for forty five minutes and just ride down a Sandy Hook and just get some, uh, you know, I kind of call it my 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 break, you know. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, instead of having a therapy dog or something, I got my bike. I just got to get on it. Let me ask you this. You, do you have an easy pass on yeah, the bike? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I have, excuse me, I have an easy pass on my East Coast bike. I don't have one on, on, on the West Coast. You don't really need it. And then when you do hit it, they'll, they'll, they'll hit you, you know, by mail. Yeah. But, you know, the, on the East Coast, you know, in, you know, the whole New York Metro, you got to have an easy pass. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, again, I'm going back like, and this is on the West Coast. There was no easy pass thing back then. And so because I lived in the Bay Area, I was constantly crossing the uh, Bay Bridge and the Golden Gate. Right. So you used to have to have like little, you know, pockets with the exact change to throw into the oh. thing you had to go through and it's, it's know, the whole community thing. We, we, we went from having to have quarters on the garden state parkway to them selling tokens. Right. Mm -hmm. So I used to buy a couple, you know, $10 rolls of, of tokens. And then when I moved here into town, um, I would take the train into Manhattan. And when I, I go to get my annual parking pass and like, yeah, it's a 10 year wait, you know, Oh, I'm geez. like, do you want to still put your name on the list? I go, yeah, well, I plan on living here for a long time, so I might as well just start, right? Mm -hmm. And then across the streets of metered, it was metered parking. Oh, yeah, Middletown Lot. Middletown Lot, yeah. you know, across from the community center is metered parking. Mm -hmm. So I literally have to go and buy, like, you know, go to the bank and buy, like, $50 worth of quarters and just have them <laughs> in my ashtray, you know, yeah. and just, like, you know, fill it up before I left every day. And, and it was just, it was just brutal. Fortunately for me, six months into it, they redid the parking lot and opened up a lot of spots, but it was still. Yeah, I, I used to take that train. I used to take the 620 or 621 or whatever. Yeah. And all I heard were horror stories about getting the, the parking t uh, decal or whatever. Right. But when I went down there, it was available. I don't know what happened. At, at some point, they reconfigured the parking lot mm -hmm. and a lot of it opened up. And, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a game changer. Yeah, but, it was. But but still, I mean, those were, you know, I used to, you know, I opened the showroom for the company in 2001. And, you know, I take the early morning train, you know, when it's dark out, and, you know, it's a long day and you get the train into the city and then you work all day. And then, it's a 13 hour day, no matter is. how you slice it. Really it really is. And that's not working like 
an extraordinarily long time no, at the job. No, I mean, if everything went right, it was really, it was an hour and 45 minute door to door from the time I left my house to the time mm-hmm. I left my office. And then anybody who takes a train home at night, you know, it's a different track every night. Mm-hmm. So you get there early oh my God. <laughs> and you wait for them to post the track. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you're running because you, you don't want to not have a seat and mm-hmm. you don't want to have a center seat. So you're running like, you know, yeah. cattle herd just to get a decent We're seat. We're talking Penn Station for Penn those Station, that are New York, listening. Mm-hmm. New York City, you know, it's just every track, every, every train is a different track. You kind of have an idea and... <laughs> It was pretty brutal. Didn't matter who you were, you were throwing elbows to get onto that train. <laughs> what, what train did you try to catch going home? It was a uh, six twenty-five. Oh, okay. So you were like, yeah, I used, to, I used to work on twenty seventh. Yep, I was and, on twenty sixth. Okay, that's right. So I used to work on twenty seventh between sixth and seventh. Yep, I was between fifth. Uh, Fifth and Madison. Okay, so you had a little bit longer right, walk right, to right, get right over on there. the right on the north end of Madison Square Park. Yeah, um, I used to get in on time, and I would not stay a minute past five o'clock. <laughs> they used to—I don't care what they would say to me—at five o'clock, that door hit me in the ass, and I was almost running, walking as fast as I could. So I could catch like the five thirty, five twenty eight, whatever. Yeah, the there was hell two. Was. There was two trains, like almost like next to each other, like a five twenty five yeah. and a five thirty one. One was an express. One, one was more of an express, and it's like so. Some trains would stop at you know Matawan, and others yeah. wouldn't. You know, so there's all these this, and you kind of figure it out, you know. And, oh but, man, but we were we were anxiety producing. Yeah. You know, you're walking down the street and you're like, you're off. Am I going to get that train? Am I going to get that you train? And it, I can remember one day, you know, I was just exhausted. You know, you catch the 630, you know, you're getting into town a little bit after eight o'clock. I have to pick up a prescription at the drugstore. <laughs> and like, you know, it's like this 16 year old kid, like poorly singing a Led Zeppelin song who's yeah. trying to get my prescription, you know, yeah. and I'm just like, kid. I don't want to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be rude. I just want my prescription. So I, can go I can't home. catch my train. I just it's, yeah, just it's like this of... mundane uh, thing becomes a huge hassle because you you know you're just exhausted. Mm-hmm. You just you know, and then you have to get up the next day and do it again, and yeah. you kind of say, "Well, you know, you New Yorkers are rude." <laughs> you just saw the day we just went through. You know. <laughs> yeah. We caught it real close leaving the the Oktoberfest yeah, party. Yeah, we like got to the station, looked up at the sign, and we're like, "All right." If we like, yeah, yeah. Well, next time you come in, you got to take the ferry. That's what yes. I do. Take the ferry from Belford and right to Wall Street, and then mm-hmm. from Wall Street, I take a couple subways. But the ferry's nice because in the morning they're serving coffee. Mm. You buy a newspaper, maybe civilized. get a civilized, civilized, right? And it goes from point A to point B. There's no, there's no other stops. Everybody, you know, is 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 pretty good, you know, and everybody's just chilled. They get the TV screens on. They have Wi-Fi. Yep. And then at night they turn into a martini bar. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know, guys have a time pretty good. Where it's three cocktails, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even on the train, I had a time for three beers. I was oh. drink one beer from New York to Newark, yeah. a beer from Newark to Woodbridge, and a beer from Woodbridge to Middletown. <laughs> I had my three beers down, and you know, you do that every day. It's like eh, maybe I should slow down. But- when you fly for Hayful, do they put you in first class? Uh, never. <laughs> they don't care who you are. Uh, they didn't pay the you, ransom. They think they're going to put them in first class. You know, if, if you have some status, you may get lucky. But where I, where I do get lucky and they do support us is we get to join um, one airport club. Okay, That's so you cool. get the miles. Yeah, so, 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 so you, know, you get miles. But when you go into the airport club, you can sit down and you can, um, um, you know, 
get a bite to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got like, you know, like the, the, the bottom shelf is free. So if you want to get a beer or something at the end of the yeah. day and they got some snacky food. And then if you're, you know, if you fly Newark, like we all do, there's always delays. Yeah. So you get a place, a comfortable place to hang out. And it truly is smart to do that because we could be productive in the club. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you just sit in, in, oh, in, yeah. in chaos with the unwashed masses. Yeah. Oh man. I, because flying is one of the things I hate to do the most. Um, and it's not like a fear of crashing. It's it's the just the hatred of the experience, the airport experience, the whole thing with the crowds and people shoving their stuff in those overheads. And the people who stand up as you're, you know, getting to the yeah. like, taxiing back to the gate after landing. It, it's so like the last time I flew on my own when I went out to Texas uh, see my friends out there because I graduated high school in Texas I got my airline mile my credit card miles yeah and I flew first class wow um I had to make like a like fly through Charlotte yeah. to get to Texas but I didn't care yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's not like it's so fancy but the civilized is the word oh absolutely you're yeah. bored they they treat you like you're a human being. You don't have to deal with any right. nonsense. Right. It's just it's can, like, can, oh my god, can we get you something to drink? Right. Please <laughs> don't make yeah. me go back there. Right. Again. So that's, that, that, that's that's the only problem with flying up front is that when you have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. I tasted the better way of life. Yeah. Please, I don't want to go back. Don't make me do it. <laughs> Last time I flew, we flew first class. So I, I went to a wedding in Dominican Republic uh, just about a year ago. Actually, it was exactly a year ago. So we flew. We flew there just regular, whatever it is, the coach. Business, business coach, yeah, yeah. And then on the way back, I'm like, we should upgrade. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I paid the 300 bucks or whatever it was. It was actually it was a good, pretty good deal. 300 for the two of us. That is a good I deal. think that's the move. Fly down regular and fly back first class. Yeah. You, you because you're it. shot. <laughs> yeah. You're already pissed off. You got to go back to work. You know, you're tired. Right. You get, at least, I mean, the seats are about as big as this yeah. freaking chair. Yeah. Oh, they got the, the long, the big planes now are like lounges. Yeah. You, know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, it's not like the old days. We had the 747s. I used to fly to Italy a lot on business. And back in the day, it was Pan Am. And they had the second level, which was like yes. the first class up uh, top. Yeah time when I was flying was really more like a business class, like a middle level class, mm-hmm. you know, but you go up there and, and it was just a the total piano bar. Yeah. It was just completely different. But today they have the bargain airlines, right? You know, and the so, seats get closer and closer and close, closer. And then it, everything's an add on. Oh, yeah. It's like, we even my spirit to yeah. KBIS. <laughs> right. Eat, They're eat. like, oh, you're bringing a bag? <laughs> That's going to be $40. $40. Really? <laughs> it's a carry on. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sit. It's not going to take up any space. It's not going to take up. A t- oh, but it's the principle, you know? Yeah. And then if you want to check, it's a little bit cheaper. If you want to check in, like, I'm going to get that. And then, oh, you, you want a seat? You got you to gotta, you gotta pay for a oh, seat yeah. assignment mm-hmm. or, or, or we might just pick one for you. <laughs> it's like. Man, it's just like, tell me what it's going to cost. That's yeah. it. They're like, yeah, it's $99. But if you want to pick where you sit, it's another, you know, this yeah. much. I uh, I went to this thing, WorkbenchCon in Atlanta. Must be three years, three years now. ago now. Um, and I flew, I forget if it was Spirit or Frontier. I want to say it was Frontier. But both I, winners. Yeah, yeah. They're both, they're <laughs> practically the same. I think maybe Spirit acquired Frontier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I got like an emergency row seat and, you know, there's yeah. two, two rows. I was the only one in, um, 
any of those four rows on the way back. Same thing, but they sold all this, you know, yeah. sold the, the upgrades. I sat next to some giant guy. Yeah. And, and one time, or actually a couple of times I had an opportunity to fly, um, private, you know? Oh yeah. And, that, and that's a whole, that's a whole oh, other game yeah. changer. You know, you're picking right up, onto the air, right on, right onto the plane and, and you're some, some small airport and they're, they're you're landing in some small airport and then there's a car driving out to the runway and picking you up. And you're like, yeah. Oh man. This I, is, this yeah. Is... I lived with this girl for quite a while and her dad owned a, a jet and we'd go places and they'd pick you up in the car. And you, you, it's, it's like, it's so simple. It's like, like no you want the lobster people. ravioli yeah. or the filet mignon. <laughs> we, you know, we went and saw um, a, a football game from, um, we flew yeah. out of Florida f- from Florida. We went to a football game in new Orleans mm. and we literally landed, you know, you know, 45 minutes before the game. Yeah. Went to the game. And then like late in the fourth quarter, we knew how it was going to end. So we wanted to get out of there before the end of the day, before traffic hit. And then we just got back in a jet and was back in Florida. Just, it was almost like us driving to met life. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we, we flew to new Orleans, you know, it was just crazy. It's it, just, that's, that's, one of the reasons why people that have all that money and power, they'll do anything not to give it up because right. it's just, I can't fly commercial. It, it, the privilege is insane. Right. Um, and it's great when people like that show up at the DMV, yeah. they, they can't deal with it. Yeah. You know, take a number, you know, your form isn't filled out right. Get in that line. And they're just oh, like, man. do you know who I am? It's I'm like, not, yeah, you're powerless here. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. Well, it's like the helipad that's over here. Yeah. You know, yeah. like people in the summertime, yep. I think is really the only time they use it because it's people that don't, they, you know, they have a house in mama beach or something or deal yep. and they just drive to the helipad and then yep. they hop in the helicopter, go to the city. Yep. I think it's 12 minutes mm-hmm. to go from wow. uh, um, lower Manhattan to the helipad here. Jeez. It just goes up right across the bay and down. I mean, and if you're like, you know, some CFO and you can just negotiate it where it's just company money, you know, yeah. and it's just yep. like, you know, yeah, if you want me, you know, from Moral Day to Labor Day, I want to be, have quality time with my family. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for those three months, I want you to pick it up, you know, and yeah, this same family, they had a, they were building a place out and, um, What's the outside of New Hope? It was uh, off Lamberville? to Delaware. It was on the Pennsylvania side. Oh, uh, um, I think it was. I think they. It was like a hundred acre place out in like Upper Black Eddy or something oh, okay. like yeah, that. Upper Black Eddy. And they had a heliport there, you know. So you go from Manhattan out there, and um, that was a that was an eye opening uh, experience spending time with that family. Like they had a box at Giant Stadium. It was called Giant Stadium back yeah. then. Yeah, right. And you know, it was the thrill of my life. Sure, to, to you go you go, go, you go through a games. special entrance, you know, and you yeah. and then you get the special seat, and it's like they got catering here, right? Yes, catering. Like, I don't have to leave; they're coming to me. It, I mean, it's not enough that you're sitting in there in your short sleeve shirt in the winter time, but People are like serving you, right? And and the other folks that are there, they're it's they're so blasé about right. it, right? It's their like this is normal to them, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm here. I know that's, that's why so so many of those people they, they they belong to multiple country clubs because that's their comfortable environment, right? Yeah. The, the country club is this protective place, mm-hmm. you know. You got to yeah. be a member, and they got their rules. And then when they go out and like you know can't go to the outback you don't wait line or you know <laughs> you mean the waiter doesn't know my name right. or, 
you know, he doesn't know what, you know, aged wine I want to yeah, serve me. And, yeah. You know, it's just, um, it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. We just bid the bars at Rumson Country Club, but the, uh, the GC that we bid with, they didn't get the job. Ah. Uh. That, that would have been, been a cool. nice yeah. gig. Yeah, so I, I have a few friends that uh, have bartered with companies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like sports arenas and some restaurants mm-hmm. and stuff. And for an example, it's a four hundred thousand dollar job. They'll get paid three fifty and put three fifty on 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 credit. Ah, you got concert tickets and really good dinner, you know, restaurants and and other places. That's fun. Yeah, and it's like it's like wow, that's pretty cool. They go, well, we don't normally get paid our last 10% anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure that. <laughs> Might have to change that 15 to a 10. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, w- that would hurt us. Oh. That's that's the gravy, right? That last yeah, final. I mean, we're a, sm- we're a small outfit, you yeah. know. But we had a guy, a developer, hold us up for the last 15. I didn't even hold us up. We... we we completed our scoreboard yeah. above and beyond. Yeah. You know, we're getting this story. I'm not going anywhere for, you know, 15 grand. Like, well, <laughs> how come we haven't got paid yet? I sent a check. Like, all right. Like, write another check. Send me a picture of the check. Confirm the address where you sent the check. We had yeah. to, you know, file And he did all those things, right. too. I'll, yeah. or, or I'll, I'll swing by and pick it up. Because <laughs> guess what? You know, I, I have kids and I have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And, and and this isn't just, you know, padding my checking account. This is, right. these, these are things that I really... <laughs> I, so I, I can pay the bills. Yeah, I yeah. got to pay my bills. I'm not looking to go on vacation with your money. I'm like, just there's looking. not that much meat on the bone where, right. where 15% is, you know, like yeah. all profit. No, right. Ideally right. it is, but... It Sometimes it's not. I mean, yeah. I've, I've had, you know, customers and, and you ask them like, why would you do a job for an attorney? You know, <laughs> we're not going to pay the last 15%, you know, and you want, you could sue me. You know, I know the judge, we play golf together on Wednesdays, you know, <laughs> oh and, and we God. do this, we do that. It's not really going to cost me anything. So if you were smart, you know, just probably eat it now. You know? Yeah. So the idea is you charge 115% That's of right. the job. That's yeah. right. Or it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, they always say, you know, lawyers, don't want to pay the final and doctors have um, an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation, the quality of work, you know, yeah. and, and they're frugal it's to begin funny. with. We did, we, this comes up again. Yeah, you know, we did that, saying that kitchen, uh, both doctors mm-hmm. and something must've gone, you know, we didn't do the install on the job. We did, we did a delivery to the GC. Yep. They painted, they installed and painted on site. And yeah, someone sour with the client. Yeah. Um, we think the GC screwed something up and then blamed us because we weren't, we were absent on the job. You know, we, we just delivered and then we were just a name. Yep. So we were easy to scapegoat yeah. because we dropped by as we dropped them off a Christmas gift and to say, thank you. And they were like, very cool. Yeah. Huh. Like didn't say like, Oh, you want to come in and see the right. kitchen that you and guys you built? For how, we're, weeks? How, how we're enjoying it. Right. Yeah. No, it, and it, it was really, we, we were like looking at each other. What the hell just happened? Yeah. Right. And then one of the topics that we talk about is who owns the client? Mm-hmm. So you're working for a client, you know, who who actually has the client? Is it the general contractor and, and you're just a sub and then you're in that situation? Yeah. At some point, you know, somebody's kind of representing you and it's not it's not in your best interest. And yeah. how do you like step up to the client? And we've actually had a um a seminar, um, and even an event. Um, based on that topic of who owns the clients. That's interesting. Yes, yeah, so we had a general contractor, we had an architect, and we had a kitchen dealer. And the three of us, three of them mm-hmm. were a panel. 
and we did a lot of Q&A on it, and we kind of talked about who owns it, and a lot huh. of times it's the person who actually brings in the client in the first place. Yeah. But what do you do when things start to go sour? Yeah. You know, because you don't want to upset the architect or the GC because you don't want to affect future business, yet you don't want to affect your relationship with this one job. It's your mm -hmm. reputation and everything right. else. And it's yeah. this whole interesting topic of how to maneuver through that. Yeah, like when we work with designers, it's like, okay, you're you're um, marking up our work because you're the intermediary between the client and us. But it puts a roadblock for communication. So now anytime I need to get to you, I got to go through you. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine because you're getting paid to be that intermediary. But now all of a sudden when I'm not getting answers, it's like, I'd rather just deal with the client directly. I don't, you go mark it up. I don't care. Right. Yeah. Just let me deal with the client. Right. And, there, and there's a deadline. Yeah. And, and, and we got to get this nailed down right away. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, you know, when you finally net, net, net out your job, you realize that the arc, the designer made more money in the job than you guys did who had yeah. 12 weeks of work in it. They just, you know, they just made a couple phone calls, a couple phone calls yeah. and maybe a couple hours with them. And, and then, um, it's on their best interest. I guess it's always that trust thing. So you promise you. Yeah. <laughs> The best is when you work with a designer on a job and then the client contacts you for another job because you can automatically put like 25% on your number. Right. <laughs> right. And they paid that number before. Yeah. No, you, you guys are, your number looks pretty good now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on like retail furniture, I think like a typical markup for a designer is like a hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Which yeah. is insane. I guess if you could sell it, you could sell that, you know, that yes. image and that, you know. We're in the wrong business. Yeah. It was, it's like going back to the catering business, you know. Uh, back in the uh, early 90s, I worked as a caterer in San Francisco. And they used to contact the owner of the company around the holidays. They meaning like the wealthy individuals of uh, San Francisco and ask if they could have one of, you know, the chefs come to their home and do like a individual party, yep. you know, and they would, so we could freelance, we could make a little extra pocket right. money yeah. not going through the company. And the company was very cool that way. And the one thing they told me was when you work up the price, whatever you think it is, double it. it exactly. <laughs> it just double it because this is not, normal yeah, like, right. like if you think five hundred dollars is a lot of money just make it a thousand yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what i did one of those parties with dennis foy in, in yeah. a house in princeton that was yeah. that was pretty cool yeah that was I, I remember doing a thanksgiving for for a family it was it was a lot of pressure but it was a lot of fun you know because you're charging so much money to to us, you yeah, know, right. It's a lot of money, you're, right? Who, who would pay a thousand dollars a person for dinner, right? Right. It's yeah. like, That's how we look at it from a practical a, side, right? I mean, I got unbearable pressure on myself. This turkey better <laughs> be the juiciest, yeah. crispiest skinned bird ever made. <laughs> it's all about the presentation. Yeah, exactly. You know, I got the the cheesecloth on there, and I'm basting it. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I've read every secret, you know, yeah. thing you could. What's it, the brine, like a day or two yeah, before oh, you got yeah, it all, you yeah. know? Of course, you know, brining the meat. And so did you go to Costco for dessert? And just no. <laughs> we have this uh, cheesecake. There's two, two raspberry, two salty caramel. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've told Jeff this story, speaking of cheap dessert, was 
when we cooked for Clinton with the company, when he was the president, uh, our pastry chef made fancy desserts for the whole dinner party. But the, one of the, I don't know, attendants, secret service kind of people came back to the kitchen and requested that we go get the president, uh, Mrs. Smith's apple pie. That's what he wanted for dessert. He didn't want the prepared. So we had to get somebody and. You know, it's a whole rigmarole, like when you're... Probably got to go through security to yeah. go out, come back in. Yeah, it's not like you can just it's like, walk in you know, and out. You can't send somebody down the street to get one. We literally had to get somebody to go to the store and right. buy one yeah, of these Yeah, what if they poison the pie? Right. Yeah, because the whole thing was, you know, you have to submit your names and everything beforehand. Oh, sure. They do the background check, and then we all traveled to the home uh, together in this bus... And then when you get off the bus, they check you to make sure you. you and that know, was in they, New York. That was in San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. His, yeah. yeah, and then um, was it like a party, and he was just attending? He was, yeah, the guest of honor. Uh, Somebody's. Okay. It was like a fundraiser. Fundraiser. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, Where all the real decisions yeah. are being made. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> they're like, listen, we're gonna. We need a war in the Middle East. Can you think you can make that happen? <laughs> you could imagine the guest list at a place like this. Missile sales are really down. <laughs> <laughs> so then you're working in your little tent out there, and then at some point. They make you get, go away and they come in and the whole place is cordoned off with, you know, secret service and dogs and everything. Yeah. They they put you off in a little area and then they come in and they check what's going on before you serve the food out. I don't know what they did because we weren't able to see. Then you serve the food. The rookie test tastes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... Uh, it, it, that was a lot of, that was interesting. A lot yeah. of interesting stories from right. working for that company. Right. You I wouldn't be surprised if they had like plants in with like the cooks, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, you never know. That yeah. could be something that even like started like weeks prior, you know, right. like, all right, listen, Clinton's got this party coming up. You got to go get a job, you know, pr get a job at this place. Right. And You're one of the servers. Bug in there or something. Right. Find yeah. out if there's any dissidents within the staff. Yeah. Cause you know, <laughs> I, I mean, who knows how, how high up it goes. That's crazy. I do remember seeing like the little red lights, you know, like the night vision stuff. Cause you're out on, yeah, right. in, in a, like one of those white tents, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Like you you know what I'm talking yeah. about. I did a yeah thing like that. A couple with Nicholas. Um, and so you're out and they set up the, all the stuff outside people's homes. I mean, I'd like to see somebody that you see on TV that's famous, that's, you know, really distinguished and well-respected. And then all of a sudden you see them at, you know, social event like that and they get hammered, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny that you say that because, you know, uh, Kelsey Grammer, uh, oh, yeah, sure. Frazier, yeah, yeah. he had a very famous drinking problem yeah. at one point. I remember sitting at the window seat of uh, a bar in Manhattan. And he was, he was average. He was on the street wanting to come in <laughs> and the bar, the door was locked because you know, it was the after hours. It was after me. hours. And, and in he, New York, they don't close early. No, no. <laughs> and he was throwing a tantrum, banging on the glass and everything. And we were just like, you know, quarter inch away from 
Like, there's Frazier. Right. Like, like he's comfortable in a bar, out right? Of his mind. <laughs> Pre cell phone video <laughs> yes, days. Yes. That would have exactly. been all over the internet. Right. All these things are. We're, we're it's hard to imagine a world like that now. Yeah, I know. You guys could get away with stuff back in the day. I oh, yeah. No, your whole life is monitored. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, up until probably. Must have been sophomore year of high school, maybe when like camera phones became a thing. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I you mean, know, you, how old are you? I'm Ed? sixty. Yeah, I turned sixty-one today. Yeah, happy birthday! Thank you. So we grew up in a time where I mean, I I would be horrified to see the stupidity that I did. Back then, you oh, know, yeah. I had to go on Facebook at some point and like untag myself <laughs> from all these pictures. I'm like, it's got to erase the, you know, from college and stuff like that. So yeah, I got to erase these. Well, uh, on one hand, I like to kind of maybe see it again because I think it was pretty good, but I don't really remember. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I certainly went to a few concerts in Madison Square Garden that I had a ticket stuff for, but yeah. I absolutely don't remember the concert. <laughs> because people didn't have, you know. You didn't take pictures back then. You know, you had to have a camera a to take pictures. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So there were none of nothing was documented, let alone spread right. across the world. Oh, right. back in the day, you'd take a few rolls of, of, of pictures. You forget to get it developed, and then maybe you get it developed, and they come back and they're really yeah. bad quality pictures. Right. And, and you thought about which one you take because you didn't want to take too many pictures. You didn't want to pay for it to be developed. It's a yeah. whole different culture. And yeah, and then it's in a shoebox somewhere. Right now. It goes directly onto the, you know, online. And even if you don't post it, it goes to your Google Photos or your mm -hmm. uh, your Apple, whatever. And anybody could, just like the ransomware, they could get in there and take it if they want to. Sure. Right. I, I, I went to Martinique uh, Club Med in the 80s with a bunch of people that I work with in the kitchens. And so I had a camera, of course, because, you know, it was... But, but I remember getting, like, the film and people had taken pictures on my camera of me and very unflattering. <laughs> thing. I just took those things and shredded them and burned them. You know, <laughs> I could not imagine that stuff being, you know, perpetually available. I got to believe that the crew from the back kitchen could party pretty hard. <laughs> oh, oh God. Front kitchen you know, the, was no slouch. Yeah, the front of the house is pretty. <laughs> you know, that night crowd, oh you know, you get bartenders together and you get a bunch of, you know, servers oh, yeah. together and just. It was, you because you'd go out after you walked. Yeah, right. No, like, they, they had their own subculture, right? Their yeah. own, they knew where to go and, and, and they had their whole separate setup. You know? um, and, you know, you know the bartender at the place. That's where, right. So you're getting backed up and yep. then you've got clients who are sitting over there. They're backing you up. Next thing you know, you got 10 <laughs> shot glass, upside down shot glasses in front of you. Yeah. It drinking was, for nothing. And you're going out like on Monday nights, right? Oh, oh yeah. 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 The, the days of the week didn't mean anything yeah. back then. I used to work in Seaside in the summertime. And the one summer I calculated, I made like $20,000 or something. I didn't, there was not a stitch of it left. <laughs> None. That, that was the other thing. You dealt in cash. You got paid in an envelope. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Everybody had cash, you know. You wake up in the morning, it's like, I got $10 left. It's I like, just, I made 400 bucks last night. Where did it all go? And drinks you, were cheap. Like Right, at JR's on the boardwalk or yeah, something, you know. JR's is a good time. I remember they used to walk around and stir up your beer because it'd go flat or whatever. Mm -hmm. They kind of stir it up, keep the head on it, you know. And but Seaside, you know, back in the day, um, I'll never forget it. I was still in high school, 
and we'd go to Seaside and rent a house for a week. And we'd rent a two-family house. Each level had three bedrooms and a pull-out couch. So so you get two guys for each bed, right? So, yeah. two, so you'd have eight guys on the second floor, eight guys on the first floor for a week. Yeah. And then, you know, some girls from school, they'd get a house like around the corner. And it was just like, we're 16 years old. We're renting this house for a week. It was, <laughs> and then back then, you know, it, drinking was 18, but we were 16. So you get cases of cheap beer, like Schlitz, you know, and <laughs> Schaefer, you know, and, and all this stuff. And, and it was just a, a crazy, crazy one week. And then when we went away to college, then we get a house for the whole summer. You know, yeah. you move in the week before Memorial Day, you, you move out the week after Labor Day and, and, and you're just set up and you try to get some kind of part time job down there and mm -hmm. kind of supplement it, you know, and just those are those are some good, crazy days. Oh, yeah. I had a great time working, living and working there. We used to, we used to be on Webster Avenue. And so they had the, the whatever that it was, the, the, the big lemon stand right on the boardwalk. There was a lemon stand. It had like steakhouses. So you tell everybody, just look for that on the boardwalk and go down two blocks and we're off to the left. You'll, you'll hear us. <laughs> I haven't been in a while. Like I, I, um, I moved up here, I think it was 2010. So I haven't been back since like the fire and all that stuff happened, but man, it was a good time. We'd go to places like EJ's or Riggers. Those are like the bottom of the barrel bars. <laughs> and they would sell shots in a shaker. So like a, you know, like a martini shaker yeah. full of shots for like five bucks. Oh, God. And wow. then, you know, you might know the bartender. And yeah. so you start out there, have a couple shakers of, of shots with whoever you're with. And then, yeah, go to a place like JR's or Jack and Bill's, which is, it's not called Jack and Bill's anymore. Um, Yeah, just, I mean... A, a good time. The salt was it the sawmill on the saw one mill, edge? They had yeah. those oversized slices of pizza for a yep. dollar. They're paper thin, but they were like, yeah. <laughs> like twelve inches wide and you got a free Kool-Aid or something. You that know? was and, like the last that's the right, last the bar last, on the and, board and the last side on the other side was the Aztec. Yep. You know, they had the pool in, in the hotel, but but not talking about the bomb in a barrel, but they would have a, a nightclub there called Babios. I want to say it was right on the boardwalk. This is going back, you know, years ago. Mm -hmm. And so you go to Seaside in the winter. Oh yeah, I I would stay there in the winter, and and you know they kind of went towards a different crowd for filling those rentals. You know, a lot of and section, yeah, section eight. It was all section eight. It was mm -hmm. all you know welfare. You know, and then I remember going to Babio's and and I put my winter jacket kind of in a pile and it got stolen. Oh jeez, <laughs> it was a, you know, I, I'm, and I remember I'm like I was just thanking God I didn't have my keys in my jacket. I would have been stuck down there. Oh but, man, you know somebody stole my my and, my and listen, I was kind of a poor lower blue collar family, you know, so I didn't have a nice jacket. I didn't have anything no. desirable to steal. It wasn't some kind of, you know, cool brand. It wasn't Tommy Hilfiger or something. It was just some, some crappy jacket that somebody took. Like, well, I guess it needed it more than me. Yeah. You know, yeah, but that, that place is rough, particularly uh, in the winter. Yeah. Seaside in the winter is like, you know, it's like any shore town. It's a whole different crowd. Yeah. You know, because we get like the Christmas parties and stuff like that. The restaurant I worked at. So I, I would, uh, um, stick around depending on the year. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll call you in for the, the big season. Right. Uh -huh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed growing up on the Jersey shore. There's just some, you know, something special about it, you know, it just feels like home. Yeah. You know, you rent a house, you get a hotel, you know, I know my wife and I, we enjoy going down to Cape May and there's just something, you know, in our stage in our life to walk around Cape May and see these beautiful Victorian homes mm -hmm. and great restaurants and just a, a good chill feel, you know. Let me ask you, what is it with Cape May and only cash? Oh, I don't know. I guess it's just smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. I know I, I hit a few restaurants that are BYOBs, which I always enjoy. 
Um, uh, the two times I was there, it was it's really prevalent. You know, they don't like taking credit cards. You got to have cash. Well, yeah. I don't cash. like taking credit cards either, but what the hell can you do? <laughs> you know, so it's like you got to go to the cash machine. Yeah, right? Like oh, everybody's yeah. got a cash machine. I know. I think now the big the big um, um, thing is they're charging a you know surcharge. You know, three and a half percent. You know, yeah. it's like you know really. So what about a cash discount? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're priced out as cash, and I get it all adds up. But I always look at these businesses. And I always think you know really you, you're. You manage your money that well, that yeah. 3% is going to make a difference or not. But they, today they just pass it on, you know, and, and it's yeah. okay. Yeah. I just like my points. Yeah. Like we, uh, when we do ACH payments through QuickBooks, I think they charge us like 1%. It's like, but it's a, it's capped at us. You know, it's like a maximum of $10 or something. It's yeah. like, we we'll just eat that. But yeah. I could just imagine a business at the end of the day, when you look at all those transactions, and then you're like, wow, that really added up to something measurable. You yeah. know, it's kind of meaningful. So we can't just give it away. You know, we gotta we gotta bring that back in. That's like my sister in law's salon. Like they um they don't accept tips on credit cards anymore. So like you could pay with a credit card, but when you tip the stylist, like it, it's either gotta be cash, Venmo, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Because it's it's two separate transactions. So they're hit getting hit with four percent on the on the regular charge and mm -hmm. then four percent on the tip. It's like that. A the the stylist is is losing money, and B the business is losing money because I got the they are extra fee. double charged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, yeah. funny. I I get my hair cut in the city now, and um, same thing. You know, like because before I, it was only a few dollars. I always paid cash, right? Mm -hmm. Now it's getting done in the city, and it's like, can I put the tip on there? I'm like, no, you can't put the tip on there. But there's an <laughs> ATM machine. <laughs> it's like, all right, you know. Yeah, when I get my massage, I always have to bring money for the tip. Yeah, it and they're normally find them on Craigslist when you get your masseuse. <laughs> no, I got a, I got a steady. You got a steady. It yeah. has windows. <laughs> she knows all my spots. Yeah. And it's nothing better than a real good massage, huh? I had a two hour massage on Monday. Really? Oh yeah. I got a ninety minute on Saturday. <laughs> is, is it one girl or do you get two girls? Going that long? <laughs> two for the shower and then one for the <laughs> The amazing part is like, so I see the same uh, woman like once a month. I try to go once a month, but it it probably was about two months. But you go to a business? She comes yeah, to your home. Yeah. No, I go to um, Hand and Stone. Yeah. So I, I I like to see the same person. Like if she's if I can't if get she works, her, you know, then it's good. Yeah, because they she she literally knows your spots. Like you know, after they've massaged you so many times, they know what you do for a living. They know where you're gonna have knots and trouble spots and you're oozing your eyes. So you can imagine <laughs> what we do standing at a bench or whatever on a hard concrete floor, and mm -hmm. and we were doing those boxes. And like right between your shoulder blades, it's like burning. I mean, <laughs> yeah, my hands were like in like a claw position, like this, like stuck. <laughs> it's you know, they're just like getting in there. She gets like her elbow in my back. Uh, now I want to go get a massage, man. It, now it's just unbelievable. I'm like in a, a nirvana state. Right, after that. it's such a calm. Yeah, yeah. Relaxing. I wish I could yeah. do like a three hour, you know. <laughs> and, and my wife barters, because, so she cuts the massage therapist's hair and they trade equal time. So she's got like hours and hours and hours. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I can never get out there. You get to yeah. watch? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, she, I think she's supposed to have a massage too on Saturday. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah. So it, it's it, so the back, and you know what else is like a crazy spot, like the instep on your foot. Is that just right? Stand, oh man, it gets in there and like is just pressing on there. It's like. I don't want to have to meet a new person either. Yeah, know, that's or, the thing. Like, I don't. I don't want to talk because there's no talking. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of like, how, how is everything that's good? Any trouble spots? No, same as usual. Okay, that's it. That's yeah. the last word. The only other thing she says is time to flip over. Right. Right. <laughs> but you talk about the bottom of the foot. I've never been to China on business, but I have a lot of coworkers that gone to China on business, and. And socially, you always see something after dinner. If you don't say something, if you don't want to go, it's like rude, you know, it's unaccepted. Yeah. So there's usually two choices. One's either a karaoke bar mm-hmm. or the other one's a foot massage. Oh, man. That's probably, yeah, like a reflexology. I guess, you, you know, I, I guess you go right? from, from, from your knees down. I still do that. That's a down, separate you know? thing. Yeah. Like I see a reflexologist once a month. Is that right? So, oh, yeah. So, so, so every two weeks, you're, somebody is um, yeah, working, on, working your on me. Working oh, on they're you. working on me. Then the other two weeks, you go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> That's once a week. <laughs> Much more That's work. That's Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the physical wounds are easier to, easier to fix. <laughs> the, 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 the mental, Nobody's still saying anything. Yeah. They just tell you to flip over when you're at the psychiatrist. Yeah. The mental injuries are much harder. <laughs> those, those are the 90 minute sessions. <laughs> <laughs> More it's, expensive too. It's funny that I don't I don't see a therapist uh, on a regular basis anymore. But like when I was in my twenties, I was so screwed up. So um, the first time I go to see a therapist, I'm like, you know, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I guess it was, you know, yeah, psychiatrist because they can prescribe medicine. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, naive to the whole thing, but it's recommended to me that I should go see a psychiatrist, which is, I guess, a red flag to begin with. You're like, somebody, I don't need this. I'm fine. Somebody, you know. Yeah. And, and after the first evaluation, they say, to you, yeah, we think uh, we think we could treat you. I think, you, know, you well, need this. That's the funny part of it. You know, funny. Ha ha. Like, I'm thinking this is. Because I don't know anything it wasn't about this stuff. Yeah, you don't need you, to go. So you go one time, you're like, and you figure you're fixed, like kind of thing. So <laughs> the, <laughs> after I go first time for like, you know, an hour and a half or whatever, they go, so what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> right. We, we just ran your insurance. You got pretty good insurance. <laughs> you, know, you know, I think you need to come back. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> We're making progress. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's funny. You know, I never went to a psychiatrist. It's um, I could probably use it. You know, just to kind of open up a little. I bit. I think everybody could. It's yeah, it's one of those things that um, if you're honest with yourself, it's it's very helpful. I mean, we live in a very uh, stressful society. You it's know, so guarded. Mean? You know, you don't want to relax. You don't want to drop your guard. You don't want to admit that you're you're weak in any yeah. way. You know, you want to, you know, make believe, you know, you got it all together. But sometimes we're just... We don't really have it all together. Yeah, right. Nobody does. Everyone yeah. around you, too, has got some skin in the game. So it's like, can you really be, you know, like, can you lay it all out on the line? And then it's like, you need a neutral party. Right. It, yeah. It's quite a, it's quite an experience if you get somebody that you could trust and like to just unavail yourself of all your burdens and things and say, because there's, there are times where you go, is it me or is it them? You know what I mean? Everybody's experienced that though. Like I, it's possible that I am the, 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 
the bad actor in these I don't know. experiences. I, I think everybody's nuts. I'm the only normal one in the group, you know? Right. And then you start saying, wait a minute, I can't be the only normal one. You know, it's if, if, if it's everybody, yes. then it's me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they say. If everybody in the room is an asshole, turns out actually you're the asshole. <laughs> so it's pretty good, you know, but you got to take that and do work. I mean, that's the thing. Nobody's, no third party is going to fix you. You have to be honest, and then you have to say to yourself, do I really want to take these hard looks at myself and make these choices to correct these behaviors? Well, you know, because yeah. that's where it's at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, otherwise, it's just a waste of time. You're just spinning your wheels, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I kind of look at that sometimes, you know, management. You know, I manage about 19 different people, yeah. and everybody's different. And how you approach everybody's different, and how they receive you is different right yeah, yeah. and and i think we've all had bad bosses as you know oh. we've grown up and it's like yeah you know our one bad boss <laughs> it's just i'd hate to be that bad boss i'd hate to be that jerk you know you say you don't leave a company you leave a bad boss and it's like you know sure you gotta have goals and expectations and, and you got to keep the house tight but there's also a way of maybe making it fun and i always try to bring an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, for my, mm -hmm. um, my employees, my team members, if you will. And then sometimes you look back and it's like, man, do they think I'm a jerk, you know, or is that, you know, so Management I was kind of, is hard. yeah, you know, so I always try to sit there and say 85% of the time I try to be a cheerleader, a coach, yeah. that positive go-to, you know, man did a great job. And I go, and 15% of the times so I got to make a hard decision. I got to be someone of a jerk. I got to tell you something you don't want to hear, but I hope it's 85, 15 and you respect the 15% that I'm doing. And then I, and I can explain why we're doing it. It's not just because of a personal goal. It's because, you know, everybody can't have their own way. We all got to move in one direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. That like I, you know, I succeeded in the catering industry, not because I was a great chef, but because I was a, a great boss on my events. Like people worked for me. They and wanted to work for you. Yeah. Underneath me, so to speak yeah. at those events, because that's, that's how these things are structured. You know, you, you have, um, you know, an event, it might be a sit down dinner for 400 people. You're given X number of people to execute the plan. You bring everything along and you disperse the responsibilities and then you just make sure everything's getting done. I mean, I can't imagine the time pressure of, of, <clears throat> of doing a large high end catered event. You can't sit there and say, I'm sorry, this burnt, we're going to bring it back tomorrow. Right. Right. It's, I mean, there, you, there, there, one there, shot. you got yeah. one shot and it's <laughs> now and it, and it's, and, it, and it's a high expectation oh, and yeah. you got to deliver. And if you have one person mess it up or, or if you're not prepared or organized, it just has domino effect on everything. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff knows because he did a lot of high-end yeah. stuff on front of house. <laughs> yeah, and I did some events like that. I did Two River Theater for their gala. Um, did this uh, big Oktoberfest party for this German uh, German gentleman who owns this this company in Red Bank. Huge, like set up a, a building basically in, in a field with like, you know, they had the Portable bathrooms that yeah. you like walk in. It looks like a real bathroom. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dance. Right. Floor. Running water in the Porta John. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. They're um, trailers. Yeah. For like, you know, a couple hundred people, people, you know, girls in later hosen walking around with schnapps. Yeah. We need that crazy. next year at, uh, hey yeah. What's it? Yeah. The bindles, the, the, where the it's bindles, right? The guys yeah. wear leader hosen and, yeah. and the women wear 
spindles. Oh yeah, those, yeah, the dresses. And um, yeah, we got to get you know more of that. Some like St. Pauli girls. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can remember going to the real Hofbar house on Oktoberfest and just watching them carry these. Oh yeah, leaders. <laughs> and Twelve they, in each hand, right, and they put them down. And the whole table and everything vibrates. You know, and it's like wow. I'd like to go to Oktoberfest. It looks like a. I mean, maybe I'm not cut out for it now, but <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time the train, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the first time I went, you know, in Munich to the real Oktoberfest, um, and I came back and I spoke to, um, one of the German ladies in her office in North Carolina and I said, yeah, you know, went to Oktoberfest. She goes, Oh, you had a chance to meet our German rednecks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, but, um, it, it, it's a once in a lifetime thing to do, right? Yeah, you know, drinking yeah. beer is a sport, if you will. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the cool things about it, I never sang more John Denver songs in my life. Then <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, they, they like our kind of folk rock music, you know, and you know, um, I heard West David Hasselhoff is real big in Germany. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's huge. Like as a musician, I think. Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Didn't he sing like when the wall came down or something and something, I mean, he yeah. like a mega star, like here he's, I don't want to say a joke. That's unkind, but you know he's sort of like a, a B level, yeah, celebrity. Once Baywatch, like he he was, he's a one trick pony. He's a mm -hmm. Baywatch, but uh, yeah, big big deal in uh, Germany. Yeah, hmm. yeah, but you know, Oktoberfest and some of these festivals, you know, and yeah. the one the one thing that we do as a company, we have a a big show in Cologne which is called the interzoom show mm -hmm. and it's every other year. So it's coming up in a couple of weeks. It's every other may. And then we charter a yacht for 900 people. It's like a mini cruise ship, right? We get like real professional live entertainment and all these people. And then just sail up and down the Rhine river for, for an evening, you know, oh, I like that. Oh, that it's, it's, cool. it's a lot of fun. You know, how open, many hinges you have to buy to get on that? You, you gotta, yeah. <laughs> a couple dozen. <laughs> 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 and, and and the best part about it when it docks, like when it docked, I thought we had okay, it's docks. You know, we got to get up and get off, man. Yeah. No, it it stays, man. It stays open. <laughs> you, you just so you're like hanging out on, uh, on, on on the boat, like uh, a nightclub, and then you expect to be at work the next morning. You know, that's the problem. Is you know these events. It's like well, even when I to KBIS, yeah, you know, you get on out into the casino and you're hanging out, drinking. It's like, man, I got to wake up, and you don't even have. a when we went, we didn't have any responsibilities. Right. When yeah. you're when you're a vendor and you got you have to be at the booth and you know, and you have a first morning appointment, you gotta have you know, you worked all year to get this customer there. Mm -hmm. You can't say, Hey, I was out last night with your competitor party and now, <laughs> now I don't know even know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, all the time. I mean, you were out there for what? Uh uh a good while before getting Yeah, I was sure I was out there five days uh before the show, you know, getting set up and some meetings and getting things together. Um, for me, it was always the big IWF show in Atlanta every mm -hmm. other year. Yeah. And that's where I, I would go down. Um, I remember when I first started, the company put me in the Ritz-Carlton for 13 nights. Wow. Nice. You know, I was uh, like 29 years old, you know, checking into Ritz-Carlton, which was never anything I've, I've done before. And, and, and the Bill Hopster, uh, uh, sir, would you like a bucket of ice? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. What, I, I had nothing for the ice. Or right. I had no beverage. I know nothing else, but... Uh, sure, why not? Can I have a couple more robes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did a job for uh, a gentleman who works for the NFL, and uh, <clears throat> this was right around prior to the Super Bowl, and he was like, oh, yeah, he's like, I'm flying out, and it was like two weeks before. Yeah. So he was out there for like three weeks or something. Yeah, I guess that's a big deal, though, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you got to make show. that right, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, he did yeah. the halftime show. That was his... 
Like, I think he was like the guy. Yeah. You know, I I kind of thought about that, you know, like we were talking about seaside or something, man, like, can I do a job like every day and just burn it from morning to night for like three months or four months and then take the rest of the year off (laughs) and just, you know, play golf and just go fishing with my buddies Mm -hmm. and, and just, you know, snorkel and just whatever, you know, it just, but, but go really crazy hard for a few months. Um, we used to do that as caterers. Yeah, I bet. But you know, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. That's not easy. It, no. Um, I mean, I go to bed at, at when the clock goes past 8 PM. Now I start thinking, turn into a pumpkin. All right, let me start. Let me set the coffee pot up. Let yeah. me brush my teeth. Let yeah. me do, you know, I got to get everything situated. So when, uh, it's bedtime, that oh. was like, I woke up this morning and I hadn't, prepped my coffee flat, <laughs> and I was like oh, <laughs> throws everything I'm like off. this is fucking blue <laughs> I guess I, I get up you know usually I get up at four sometimes a little bit earlier my wife says what are you doing all that I said, well you know I gotta set up my lunch I gotta make the coffee it's like I gotta have time when you're not awake yeah private time <laughs> you, know? you know you know for me I, I, I go to bed at 10 o'clock right yeah and I, and I always have the 10 o'clock news on and I never watch it. You know, like how some people, as soon as their head hits the pillow, they fall asleep. That's me. My wife says I fall asleep with my head on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> I hit the pillow. I'm out. She goes, uh, it's amazing. I don't, I never seen anybody. How does somebody fall asleep so fast? I'm, I'm just exhausted. I'm just whoof, man. And by 10 yeah. o'clock, I'm out, man. And I'm probably, you know, how many times she elbowed me on the, on the couch saying it's time to, you know, go to bed, you know? Oh yeah. I used to fall asleep on the couch all the time. And then, you know, your neck, you get kink in your yeah. neck. So yeah. I don't even, I don't even go to the couch anymore after we put my son to bed. But yeah, I, I like to watch YouTube, like on the TV yep. and I fall asleep between like picking videos. So like I'll watch <laughs> something and then it's like, I got to, you know, it, it ends to pick something else and I'll, I, I don't even see it uh, happening. It's like, I just, just, I don't even think about closing my eyes, but my eyes close. I just fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. So I watch so many shows on YouTube. There's this one where... Um, it's called Itchy Boots. Itchy Boots. Itchy Boots. So it's this, you know, younger um, lady from the Netherlands. And she rides this motorcycle all through Europe. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, she started in, in South America. And she's riding up to Alaska. And she travels by herself. And and some, sometimes, and she like, so she does it herself, right? You know, it's her. She's filming herself, you know, and she has a, you know, a droid and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And um, a drone. So a drone and um and some episodes are only 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Some are like, you know, maybe longer, 35, 40. And all of a sudden, like, I wake up, it's like five episodes pass by. <laughs> like, did, did I see that or didn't I see it? You That's know? like when you fall asleep on the train. Well, YouTube, it'll put that red bar at the bottom that shows you, like, how much you watched. Yeah. So, like, I watch a bunch of channels like that, too. Like, uh, this guy, Bald and Bankrupt, he goes, he, like, travels around the world. He goes, Bald and Bankrupt. Yeah, he's like a British guy. So he'll, he'll be in like Venezuela or something. He goes to like a lot of places that are, are like might be considered seedy. Yep. Like he actually got kicked out of Russia. They broke into where they keep the, uh, the Russian space shuttle. Like he literally broke into the building <laughs> to get like, you know, it's from like the eighties or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll see episodes that I didn't don't remember watching, but the bar is a full <laughs> bar. It's like five, you know, I'm like, I don't remember watching that. Yeah. And my wife will be like, you're putting this on again? Because she (laughs) stayed up through it because it was playing in the background, but I was asleep. Yeah. Bedtime. 
I used to be a night person too. I bet you had to be in, in your in in, in the catering yeah, restaurant the food business, business food and business. I was you know in the music business and so right. it was all nighttime stuff. Right. That's a. But um, I'm I'm adjusting. Really? Yeah. Well, you you have to. There's yeah. no no choice. I mean, just in general, you got to adapt. But what do you miss? Uh, well, you know. I don't, I get it now in the early morning hours. I, that at four o'clock, I get that same kind of solitude that I used to get at 2 a.m. Yeah. Only now I'm yeah. getting up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of staying I, up. I hear you a little bit clearer. You know, it's funny is um, uh, my boss is a couple of years older than me, maybe two years older than me. And he, he goes <clears> a bit crazy early. He wakes up crazy early. So like the, the best time for us to communicate is like five o'clock in the morning or five yeah. 15 in the morning. You know, we're going to like go into a quiet place in our house to have these conversations. And it's great because we're not interrupted from the, from the day. We don't have to feel the pressure of the day. Yep. We get a chance just to, just to talk and we kind of just laugh about it because everybody has their own little time to connect and that's our time to connect. Yeah. That's like, yeah. When I'll hit like my emails and stuff, I w- four o'clock I wake up by four 15, I'm sitting there with my coffee and you know, like you said, your head is clear because you just woke up. If I'm trying to do, you know, respond to an email at 5 p.m., I'm thinking about all the things that went already went wrong. <laughs> and, you know, you're stressed out. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes, like, I try and concentrate. I'll go home and try and like sort through a job. Like you say, take a look at this job. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Try and do it like after dinner. My head just, I can't. It's like I'll count the number of like pieces of plywood. Five times yeah. before I go, what am I doing? And people don't, you know, understand because they send out we, this one designer that we work with specifically. They send it over and they're like, we have the meet. it's on Monday. It's Monday. They're like, we meet with them Wednesday at two. I'm like, yeah, two days. It's like today's already shot. Yeah. So now it's like I have Tuesday morning to look at it. <laughs> right. That's and, all and, I and have. She's looking for a number. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. And like a drawing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. something that she could deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like if we want to sell this job, like I need time because I have to break. It. First of all, it's being injected into everything else that's going on, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I've got I got two hours in the morning before I got to be here. So it's 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 one of the hardest parts about. Um, I know in the woodworking industry, for you know, for a smaller average cabinet shop, it's it's you're so busy that you don't have time to do the estimating and to bring in the new work that you have like these highs and these lows and you're constantly going these ups and yeah. downs and to kind of back it yeah, up, you know, and flow of it. and you get burnt out. Sure. You know, sometimes I can't even bring myself to respond to an email. <laughs> it could be something simple. It's like, I'll just, I keep marking it as red. I'll read it. And I'm like, I just can't. I'm like, yeah. mark is on red. And I'll, I'll, it'll just sit in my inbox for a week because sometimes you just can't, it's just too much. It, it, it's funny you say that because I used to, at night, watch TV. It drove my wife crazy, but I'd have my laptop yeah. open. I'd be working on emails, you know? And and today I can't do it. I, I, same thing. I don't know if I'm just fried or I just want to sit there and say, kind of done. I just need to close this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to hang out with her and, and, and watch TV. Nighttime's no good for me anymore. I need to recuperate yeah. as far as my mind goes. It, it Funny thing, like, uh, that I notice about getting older is you start to feel things slipping away. It's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to admit. Like, it's like, Oh man, I don't remember stuff like I used to. Um, or I used to be able to do that. And now it's like, I got to really concentrate 
or something, you know, I mundane. Think turning 60 uh, also got to me a little bit, you know, um, you know, going through the pandemic. I know a few people who, you know, bad things happen. They either got sick or they got ill and just, you know, you know, life isn't fair. And then you're just like, man, I'm working so hard, but now I got to start calling some me time. And that's why, you know, I, I do these motorcycle trips because mm-hmm. I, I can't do it in my 70s. In my 70s, I'm going to be sitting there saying, boy, if only I would have done this, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing I want to avoid. I want to avoid these if onlys. I want to live in the moment. And 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 I agree, like, you got to be all in. So when you're working, you're working, you got to produce. But then you also got to be, like, all in on, on a break and, and you need a vacation. And I can only imagine how difficult that is for um, a couple of guys who own their own business because, you know, I still get paid on vacation, right? Yeah. You know, and you guys aren't producing. I can just imagine like how tough that is, you know, and then you got a partner and you got a family, you got to keep everything going. It's just has to be challenging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you're like, that's why you got to call the time out at night because you got to refresh that well, battery at night. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I feel lucky because I did a lot of stuff when I was younger. Like I don't, I don't have like a bucket list. Yeah. You did it all. You know, it's not like I did everything, but I did a lot of stuff that people who have the same kind of interest that I do didn't get to do. Right. You know, it's like uh, I rode a motorcycle across the country by myself. I, you know, I played in a rock band at 20,000 seat arenas. I did stuff that's kind of cool. And I'm ready to just, you know, I, I don't mind getting up. And coming to work and, you know, it's like, and going to bed early. That's okay with me. I, my wife thinks I'm a little boring now, but it's like, <laughs> no, join the club. I did all that already. I don't need to do it now. Yeah. And you're still cool. So, you know, <laughs> just sometimes you have to remind her why. Hey, you know, we're still pretty cool, you know. <laughs> does, does Allie think you're boring oh, too? Yeah. Because, you know, in the same way, like, this is what I enjoy. I like waking up at 4 o'clock, sitting down, having my coffee, coming to work, working, coming home. I I enjoy it. I I mean, I'm totally content. Hey, Um, the the truth is, the amount of work that you do from 4 to 5 in the morning, there's no interruptions. mm -hmm, You have a clear head. It's probably, you know, five hours worth of work during a busy day in, in, in how productive you can be. And it's a really satisfying feeling about um, that quality of work, knowing that you already got that that accomplished. Yeah, it's yeah. the only time of the day to do that stuff. Yeah, For yeah, me, and, and like like you're saying, you could you could bang something out in that hour that in the middle of the day would take you two, three, four hours. Because you're stopping and starting, you're stopping and starting. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of reports that I run in the morning first thing, and my sales guys always tease me about it, like you know, hey, you're sending this to me at five thirty in the morning. Do you expect me to read it? No, I don't expect you to read it. But what happens if I could get it to you so you could start your day with the tools that you need mm-hmm. and then I know it's done. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. You yep. know, um, I think the same thing for me is true is about exercise. If I can do a little bit of exercise in the morning, I know it's done because I'm not getting to it later. I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm physically, yeah. mentally That's shot. That ain't happening. No. You know, happy hour might happen, but the work at the <laughs> Pilates class isn't happening. And then you have to juggle that too. You know, it's like you only have so much time in the morning for yourself. That yeah. That's like something I'm struggling with now. In the beginning of the year, I was really good every morning. I would get down, I have a gym in my basement, work out a little bit, stretch, whatever. And then um, I don't know what set it off. I think it was going to the Hamptons. It's like, that's all it takes one day where mm-hmm. we had to leave at four o'clock and then the next day I'm tired because it was a long day. And then 
that's two days and you're like, well, I'll get to it next week. And then now it's been whatever, two months. It's hard to start again. Right. 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 So one of the things I bought, I bought a Peloton. Oh yeah. I'm interested in that. And and, and I fell in love with the Peloton because what happens the Peloton, one, I don't have to leave the house, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get the home gym, you know, yep. you go downstairs when nobody else is there and then, you know, I'd ride it, you know, and listen to music and have a great little time. And then I started exploring the other classes. So they have like these boot camps and they have all these other different classes. And then I started yoga. I'm like, you know, yoga, but I'm, I'm, I'm tight. I'm just stiff. Yeah, my you know? wife's yeah. big on yoga. Well, your wife is yeah. like a yoga master. Yeah. She had a, yeah. Had a yoga studio. Right. And yeah. to, just to be able to like breathe deep and stretch your spine in these different muscles. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, man, that's like really good. Yeah. Yeah. The type of strength that you can get from yoga too. It's like, I tried yoga a handful of times <clears throat> and I, I wouldn't say I'm like in shape, but I mean, I've always played sports right. and, you know, I'm relatively strong, I would say. Try yoga. <laughs> Anybody. Tumbling. Yeah, you're going to feel like you can't do anything. You're shaking and you're. Yeah. Try standing on one foot for like 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or one foot, one arm out. Turn to the side, look it up in the sky, and all of a sudden, boom, you fall right over. Yeah. Even something as simple as, like, child's pose. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I got a gut. Like, you can't breathe when you're in child's pose. Right. Are you supposed to be purple? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, I'm out of breath. I'm literally just laying here on my on my stomach. But, but I, I always had a hard time stretching, you know, stretching out those oh, hamstrings. Yeah. And then you start doing some yoga poses, and it's like, Wow. I, I can't believe I could get that kind of stretch out of here. Dude. Yeah. This is just great, you know? And yeah. Yeah, it's good for you. Yeah. So it's so that's the one thing with that that Peloton program that I can yeah. do all these different things. So you ride the bike with the I, screen I, and everything? I ride the bike with the screen. And then what I do is I have a, a TV set in my in the same room, my mm-hmm. in my home office, and they have casts. So you could cast from from the from the from the Peloton oh, bike okay. screen onto the TV. So now when I'm doing other things like lifting classes or boot camps or yoga, I can look at the TV as well as the Peloton bikes. Mm-hmm. So now I got two screens mm-hmm. I can look at. It makes it that much easier. I see. Yeah, I have like a like a spin bike, and then I have an iPad that, is, yep. that actually comes down from the ceiling. And yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah. you know, not that I don't want to go to the gym, but it's just so much easier to. You know, so ideally try to hit the gym like maybe two days a week and hit like, you know, heavier weights, if you will, mm-hmm. and then do the Peloton bike a few days a week and, and then, you know, it just makes room to, yeah, I hate for the mind the too, you know, keeps the mind sharp. Yeah. You know, the, the gym's a weird place, right? That has its own subculture, yeah, you know, and it's yeah. just, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's like, you, you never know like what's going on at the gym. Yeah. yeah you got to get in the car, you got to drive there, you got to get out. It's an extra half that. hour easy, right? Because yeah. regardless of how close it is, it's, it's 15 minutes there, it's 15 minutes back. Yep. You got to get set up. You got to take your clothes with you. And, and then and then you, you, you lose time because of other people are on your equipment. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just not ideal, you know, where if you could do it, you know, I have to brush my teeth. I just go downstairs on the Peloton bike mm-hmm. and, you know, fire it up and, and, you know, if I want to scream, I could scream. If I want to sing poorly, I could sing poorly. <laughs> yeah, you know, down there lifting weights. They got no shoes on, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's your own, your own space. Yeah. Yeah. How our lives have changed, right? Oh, yeah. Getting up at four in the morning instead of going to bed at four in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> our most productive time is before the sun comes up, you know. Yeah, I mean, when I worked in Seaside, we watched the sun come up almost that every was, night. Yeah, that was... 
have breakfast before you go home. That was the that was normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost like growing up. I remember the old neighbor neighborhood bars, right? And the guys that worked the night shift in the factory, they're walking into the bar at like seven thirty in the yeah, morning yeah. and they're they're drinking the beer in a shot and that pickled wieners, whatever they had in those mm-hmm. those jars of the counters. Like, how can they do that? And it's like, well, for them it's like lunchtime. They just worked oh, yeah. all night. Their yeah. whole schedule's completely different. You know, we used to stop off at those bars in the morning, get beer to go down to the beach with, right? You know, and it's stopping there and it's just the bar's packed and back in the old days they'd cast their paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they ring up a bar tab all week, get paid, that they'd cast a yeah. check at the bar, they'd get they they pay off their bar tab and <laughs> go home with a little bit more money, you know. It's uh. just <laughs> life was simple. Yeah. In Seaside when the bar would close, you know, like if, if we were drinking at the the restaurant that I worked at was also a nightclub. It was it was Karma at the time. I think it was yeah. called Rain, uh, Rainbow Room or something, or the Courtyard way back. Yeah, I know that that was the Babios. I think that I was referring uh, yeah. to back in the late late seventies, early eighties. It was up the block from Bamboo, like uh, two blocks north. Um, but yeah, so we work in the restaurant, go out to the car after our shift, get changed, go into the nightclub, and then the nightclub would close, and then we would sit at the bar while the bartenders were closing out yeah. and sit there for another couple hours yeah. and drink. And, you know, everything was $2 employee pricing, two bucks or whatever you wanted. And this is like, you know, talking 2008. Right. So the, the owner is smart because if, if, if he charged a full price, he you knows that you would or, or you wouldn't pay anything, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there'd be some shenanigans going on. Oh, yeah. But, but if you make it fair enough, like, yeah, I'll pay two bucks. I'll drop yeah. 20 bucks here tonight. No problem. You know, yeah, that was pretty smart of him, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, and then the bar, t- you know, bartenders get good tips. It keeps yeah. them happy. Yeah, because if I'm paying two bucks for a drink, uh, what yeah. I'm giving you five bucks. Yeah, you take two for the for the house, three for you. Yeah, I think where my, where my daughter used to live in Ohio, they had I believe it was Wegmans supermarket. Wegmans. They have them here, and and they had a, a bar in there. <laughs> hmm. So like. You know, Whatever one person's shopping, the other person's sitting at the bar having, you know, a few <laughs> oh, pints, <geez>. you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, honey, swing by when you hit this island, have a glass of wine with me or something, you know. It's just. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, now, now you're day drinking oh, and wigging. Or... Yeah. Whew. That's like a nappies. It's always happy happy hour at nappies. Speaking of drinking. Did they have, did they, did you try their restaurant? No, but we saw the sign and I'm like, resto bar. I'm yeah. Like, but my wife keeps saying we should, we should try that. And I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> liquor store, uh, bar, not. restaurant. Eh. But I understand uh, Half Moon uh, has happy hour now. Yeah. yeah, I thought I saw that lady walking down the street, but it was somebody else. I was, was going to say, "Hey, come check out the shop." What was funny was when they had St. Patrick's Day here in town. Mm-hmm. I walked from my house to Half Moon, and as I'm getting closer, I see the lady, the owner, walking the other way. I go, oh, that's never good. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the parade. Yeah, I heard. I heard I heard that you were the major day and that yeah. you know the the head the Grand Tuba. Yeah. <laughs> they called us Green Street Greenery when we went by <laughs> It's Green Street Greenery. The ma- yeah, the mayor. And, and C B D. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, where do you get greenery? Yeah, my, my my wife was in as well. She marched, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Is, was, is she a bagpiper or? Uh, she's not. I wish she was. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But uh, she works for a um, a preschool, the preschool after school program here in town. Oh, okay. So they kind of march and, mm-hmm. and 
get involved in the community and, you know, it was you know. fun. You know, it's, it's stressful driving in a parade with all those kids, all those kids in a yeah, super slow street. Into the streets. Yeah. Collecting candy. Yeah. We had save the whales behind us and, uh, good fellows, good fellows in front of us, which was just like a, like a landscaping trailer with wooden sides. And it was just packed full of like old men, just like with a, Throwing candy. Like a keg and they were just like blasting music. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So a couple of years ago, I did a, um, um, a, a bike pub crawl. Oh, geez. So we're, we're on our bikes and we're hitting these different pubs and it was all, it was a fundraiser for somebody who from town who passed, you know, so they bicycles, bicycles. Yeah. yeah okay. So, so bicycles, and, and, you know, you start off at one bar and you mm-hmm. sit there and you have a couple of beers and then together as a group, you get on your bike and, and then you finish up at the VFW or something, you know, it's like, man, I kind of <laughs> had a bunch of beers and riding in oh, town. Yeah. It's just, you know, um, yeah, but, but it's a cool town. They, they do a lot of good things here. They do, um, you know, the concerts on the beach, they do mm-hmm. movies on the beach, and they really try to do a lot for uh, the, the, the uh, kids in the community. Yeah. There are a lot of people involved. Yeah, it definitely seems, seems that way. And we've, I mean, we've only had positive experiences with yeah. all the people from the town that we've dealt with, you know, the, yeah, exactly. the mayor and, and the building department and everybody. The mayor's brother. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's what part of the building department? Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's part of every department, yeah, I think. Recreation. <laughs> building. Yeah. And you see all this new construction going on down by Car yeah. Avenue and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's really exciting. You, you oh, just yeah. picture what this town's going to look like in three years from now. Yeah. And I always looked at it and I said, man, it's so close to New York City. And then when you throw the water and the arcades and everything else in it, what a, what a cool, desirable place to live. Mm-hmm. You know, you just easily walk to a bus that goes right to Manhattan, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, and then yeah. you're also so close to the train and the ferries and everything else. I mean, it's just, a, you know, location, location, location. And they certainly have it. If they could get, you know, either a ferry stop here, which is probably pretty difficult, but to get like a, get a, buy one of those trolleys and have it run from Sea Street or from Belford and run it over here, you know? You get it's like a little Coney Island, right? You know? Right, yeah. So, you know, I know C Street has a a bus that connects to three different um, terminals. You know, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go to your point. Doesn't go beyond you know, only to their own self serving terminals. But right. if you if you went a little bit farther, you know, or if the city bus made a stop in there, you know, where yeah, just the town of Keensburg buys a buys one of those trolleys. I mean, I guess yeah. it's a lot of money, but and just runs their own little shuttle, you know. Even if it just runs twice a day. Yeah, exactly. You figure out what the, the hot, you know, times would be for people to come in and when they, so they pick them up and go get them at the end of the day. There used to be a ferry from Manhattan to Kingsburg and I'm going back a long time ago because my father-in-law used to take it. Mm -hmm. So when my father-in-law was in his twenties, you know, and, um, you know, they take it from the east side of Manhattan right into Kingsburg and like the same thing was like the last boat, you know, so everybody's hanging out, having a good oh, time yeah. <laughs> down on the boardwalk and time for them, all them guys to go back to Manhattan. You know, mm-hmm. I think that was a pretty festive, uh, boat ride. I bet. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was like going back like a hundred years, this whole Bayshore was like hopping big time. I mean, down in Highlands, you had, uh, Connors, which was like a big, like hotel resort. I mean, it was like a, a big deal. You had, you know, seven presidents park in long branch. Like this is where the mm-hmm. Thomas, I mean, I don't know exact Thomas Jefferson, like people like that. It's like, this is where they came. Yeah. I mean, I always joked around that, you know, because of, uh, um, uh, Trump's, you know, daughter's 
in-laws, you know, they're all from that area and they uh -huh. all built up that area. So if Trump yeah. ever visited seven presidents park, they'd have to rename it eight presidents park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kushner like owns Could, long branch. Now yeah, everything yeah. is Kushner. Yeah. Right. And they developed the mall and everything else. And it's mm -hmm. all, you know, my, my daughter lives in Pier village and that's all, all that family, you yep. know, and, so it's always kind of yeah, it'd be kind of cool. Donald Trump I, I came mean, down didn't the Hindenburg? Um, that was uh, uh, not Lakehurst. Yeah, out west. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, Jack, like Jackson area. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, but so you, you know, you go that. down the Jersey Shore. I mean, you look at like the Osprey and some of these old bars down in um, uh, Matasquan. You mm -hmm. know, and these have Jimmy Burns the and trade all these winds. Trade winds. Sure. Uh, they had the boardwalk in Long Branch, right? Yeah, that's where we used to go to Long Branch. Burned down. Right? Yeah, burned down. These have a haunted mansion. And 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 a, and a and a pier, and that all burnt down and went away. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, some big restaurants in Atlantic Highlands and mm -hmm. stuff, and um, you know, because transportation wasn't as good as it is today, right? The highways weren't as big, so to take a ride to Kingsburg or to um, Asbury Park was a a, a big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now everybody's just all over the place all the time. Yeah, but 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 a lot of these old towns that had some rough rough days, if you will, are really coming back stronger and better than ever. Yeah. I mean, we're down in Asbury Park all the time looking at some great live music and enjoying some great bands yeah. and, and, and restaurants. And, you know, I feel like I wouldn't, I don't need to go on vacation or leave um, the Jersey Shore in the summertime because there's so much here. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, I got friends that are coming in uh, for Labor Day weekend. I got a couple guys coming in from Ireland and some other guys coming in from North Carolina. We're going to go to a Springsteen concert on Friday night, we're going to see Southside Johnny to Stone Pony oh, in yeah, Asbury he's, Park. He's still playing. He's still, all these yeah. guys, all, all these guys. I saw like Marshall Tucker, you know, their 50th anniversary party or something. Oh, my you know? God. Yeah. I used to work at Surf Club in Orly Beach. Yeah. Marshall Tucker came every year. The Whalers came every year. I mean, we were handing those tickets out like, you know, right. like nobody's business. It right. was like nobody paid to get into those shows. It was right. just like, then they packed the place. I can't believe Southside's playing. Oh, yeah. No, he's still playing. He's still, he sounds good. I mean, he really sounds yeah. good. The one thing I always enjoyed about Southside was that he would get these great warm-up bands, like these big horn. It was like, you know, 18 people up mm -hmm. on stage, and they're just playing. I never heard of them. I never saw them again. But, man, while I'm watching this show, I'm like, this is just an incredible, talented group. Yeah, I always thought his band was uh, overshadowed by Springsteen. Yeah. Band. So we, we like, right. Like, so sometimes like, especially at the pony, Bruce will show up, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, like, if he's not showing up, like, like he'd almost sit there and say, relax, he's not coming. He's yeah, not yeah. coming, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, John Cafferty in the Beaver Brown band tickets went on sale today for, I think the he's Stone still playing. He, he's, I saw it today at Ticketmaster, you know, and he kind of like had that Springsteen sound, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, who did I play with? I had never heard of Southside Johnny until I moved out here, but yeah, yeah like he's like a legend. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They like developed the whole sound, right? Yes. yes. Um, was another. Oh, John Eddie was another guy from around here. I can't. Rem I I remember the first time when I was back in the eighties play playing around New York. We played at the Pony, right? And opened up for. I'm sorry. When was that? In the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. And it was really a dump. Yeah. And I was shocked at what a dump it was. Oh, yeah. And, and it wasn't really um, set up, right? It was kind of wider than deeper, yeah, it was, right? So it's different like, than it is now. Yeah. Because now it's nice. Yeah. Um, 
but I remember going in there. And it was like, you know, like my heart was sank. You know, it's like, oh man, we're gonna play the pony. The classic pony, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we get there, I was like, man, this place is a dump. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I saw. John Caffrey, the Beaver Brown yeah. band was like in the early eighties when they had yeah. that, that one movie that was out, I forgot that Um Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers, yeah, that yeah. was it. Yeah, I like that movie. Oh yeah. And and that now the pony has the outdoor uh stage. Yes, so you're getting bigger yes. shows and it's it's, it's kind of cool and you know, guys like us sometimes will uh, not buy a ticket, but hang out across the street, you know, and just listen to it, you know, and it's just, uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to my friends coming in from out of town and, and enjoying the, uh, the Jersey Shore experience, you know? Yeah. I saw Coheed at the summer stage at Stone Park. Oh, nice. That was a good show. Nice. Yeah. We're going to see Springsteen Friday night. Where's he playing? He's playing at the Prudential Center in Newark. Okay. So I got four tickets. So me and my three kids. All right. So, you know, it's going to be cool. We're going to um, do dinner over by the train station over here in Middletown. And then we'll just walk over to the train station and be able to, you know, um, pregame on the train and then just walk right into uh, uh, the arena. Where are you guys going to eat? I always forget the name. It's right by the train station. Is it that place in that little, like, I don't want to call yeah, it a strip so, yeah, mall. Yeah, it's a couple of buildings. Yeah, right yeah. there. It's uh, It'll come to Oh, the, by the Calico Cat? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. there was a restaurant over there. Yeah, there's a restaurant. It's really good, huh. and yeah. it's a BYOB, and they're super nice. They've been there for yeah. a while, oh, and, wow. and and we enjoy it. And if you just want a sandwich, you get a sandwich. You want to get you know a nice seafood meal or, or a great pizza. Huh. Um, yeah, it's cool, and, and it's convenient. I had no idea there was a restaurant yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Now you make me hungry. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it kind of happens that time of day, too. You know, you work all day. And, Get an appetite, especially when you wake up at four in the morning. Yeah, pulling edge banners out of box trucks. That's, yeah, man, that 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 would have been a great video, huh? Great YouTube. I was like, man, yeah, I thought it was gonna fall. I did too. What would have happened? Would you have insurance? I don't. I mean, it is insured, but I don't yeah. know what. I don't know if it's only insured when it's inside the building. Yeah, don't well, we don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess. Ultimately, we should have refused delivery. You know, well, it it, it went okay, so you can just yeah, sit there and laugh it. about it. But yeah. you would have had if, it, if something bad would have happened, you know, and it would have been a disaster. Yeah, you got to got to load it back up, pal. I don't want it now. I'm not signing for it. You yeah, know, he was getting ready to leave. He goes, "Oh, I got to have you sign that papers." I said, "Edge banner." I said, "We didn't get any." Yeah, we didn't get an edge banner. <laughs> you know, it was like you know the guy I ride my motorcycle with from Florida. He left his bike in my his motorcycle in my garage and. And he had one of those motorcycle transportation companies come by to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty cool. They're like two levels. They got like this whole upper lower, lower level, you know, it's this big truck, like a North American van line truck, that kind of scale. Mm. And, and, and I'm waiting for him to come. I'm waiting for him to call me. And I'm like, Hey, you don't have to come right to my house. I can ride it out to you and walk a little bit. Right. And he goes, okay, I'll call you when I get close. And I'm watching TV and all of a sudden the TV goes up, power goes out. I'm like, Hmm. Oh. He hit a pole. And then about five minutes later, he calls. He goes, I'm in your neighborhood. I go, great. I go, where are you? And he goes, and I took down a, a power line. I go, yeah, I lost power. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's trying to like, you know, you know, uh, you know, I'm saying to the cop, I go, it's not his fault because the power line should be a certain height. Mm-hmm. 
and it's illegal for it to be low, so he can't be held negligent. Because, no, he can't operate a vehicle unless he can safely operate a vehicle. So if he sees a, a, a line that's down, he should stop. He shouldn't drive mm. right through it, you know. Mm. And then and then the driver's like, you know, hey, you know, like kind of look, looking for me to help, you know, tip him out or, you know. Help. And I'm like, it's not my bike. I'm just like the butler. Man. Like, you know, <laughs> I can't help you, you know. It was just one of those crazy things, you know. Yeah, just I couldn't even yeah. imagine the stress of a truck driver. Yeah. You know, I see these guys in Brooklyn, you know. Oh, you know, God. you know, I, I could deliver product in a, in a day and then, but if it goes to Brooklyn, there's like, it's days because they want to hand it off to another company. You know, mm -hmm. like you, you guys know, there's no uh, docks. You got to have a, a lift gate on the back, you know, you know, I get stuff that gets delivered to job sites, never shows up. You know, it's just oh, Brooklyn's a whole nother world. I Yeah. When I had, uh, I was running a restaurant in Brooklyn and in bed, I, in bed, no, in, um, in Park Slope. Yeah. Nice. So I wanted to bring in my own uh, bakery guy. Yeah. It was a whole big deal. Yeah. You can't just change. Yeah. you have, We had to have a, a literal sit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the guy who delivered our rolls and Italian bread. Well. <laughs> and he had to give back something to the guy I wanted to bring in. Let's just say I know some people in the linen business. <laughs> yeah. And that, Nothing's and that, easy the, in Brooklyn. The linen business is um, uh, territorial. That's the way the, oh, yeah. the bakeries were, too. It's territorial. <laughs> you can't just, you know. You can't like, just change. my block, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the hat linen business is a competitive business, you know. It's funny the things that you learn when you, you know. In the, these other worlds. I mean, I only mm -hmm. thought it happened with concrete. I didn't realize no, it happened. No, with, it's, it's with everything. <laughs> right. Pizza boxes and everything. You know, <laughs> paper cups and napkins yeah. and mm -hmm. just like, you know. We were lucky that we had a good, you know, that the driver was a good guy. I mean, he would have been stuck with that thing. Yeah. He would have had to go back to North Carolina or I don't know what they would have told him to do. Or, or, or the. The, the, the manufacturer could have got charged twice. Yeah. You know, yeah well, you, I told him, I said, you need to pay this guy extra because. But if he couldn't make the delivery, it's not his fault. Somebody has to pay. And I think it had to be the factory. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah. who, 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 what, you know, what they would have had to have done was him drive to a, like yeah, a freight yeah, depot yeah, that's with what a loading I was thinking. dock. Yeah. They would offload it yeah. and then put it onto a proper trailer. What kind of freight? Like, is there independent freight depots though? Yeah, there's they all one like over UPS in Eaton, Eaton Town. Oh, it's not like UPS or something. No, it's like for over the road trucks uh, and stuff okay. like that. I I remember having to pick up a couple of things. Like once I got a couple a big thing of lumber yeah, delivered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the things that <clears throat> we have done, um, we have like trade show crates which are pretty big, and have them ship from North Carolina to a um, almost like a moving company, like mm -hmm. over by Elizabeth. And they would uncrate it for us and then put it on a, on a separate truck that had a tailgate and then, and then bring it in for us, you know. Yeah. But there's, I guess there's a specialist for, for every business. Oh, yeah. Everything yeah. possible, you know. The rigging uh, stuff for, like, moving big machines and stuff is insane. Um, you know, they have these trucks and they put the big forklifts on the trucks and then they move these giant CNCs and stuff like that. I mean, it's crazy. Right, you're delivering some, you know, five hundred thousand dollar machine, mm -hmm. and, and you know, at the end of the day, can we deliver it? <laughs> and then they got to put it all back together, you know, once they get it to the place. Right. I always tell the guys at the trade shows, like in Atlanta, right, and he, and these guys, they're not even like staying in the hotel; they're like literally staying on the floor to send in all this machinery 
into a convention center mm-hmm. and they got to assemble it, you know, and it disassemble it. And it's just, wow, what an ordeal. Yeah. The infrastructure and planning that go into those shows, like getting all the power. I mean, you got <clears> these <throat> big three phase machines, 440 volts. You got to get power to all these things. Right. Oh yeah. Right. I told you I worked for, a, I used to work for my uncle. He was president of the Draper's union. So when we were kids, <laughs> the Draper's Union. Yeah. What do you mean drapes? Like window you know, treatments? No, you know when you go to the trade shows, how the tables have yeah, sure Velcro skirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have their own union. Yeah. <laughs> so this is back, way back, Making way back. Prevailing wage when in the early eighties. Yeah, over so, the Jacob Javits Center and work in the Javits Center. You go in at night. He was getting, so he, me and my cousins, we go in there. We were getting $44 an hour. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to put skirts to, around tables, basically. No, to take them up and fold them and put them in the, those, you know, big canvas uh, trolley bins. You yeah. Know? And like if there was an electrician's cable anywhere near the skirt, you had to sit there and wait For because the, the electrician just, would come and roll it up and take it out of the way. It made me don't think of that. Don't step over that cord. Exactly. It was like, don't take away his, right. you know, your brother's work. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it was hard to go to work for like, you know, your $8 an hour after you spent the night working for 44 Right. You know, you, you work for $8 an hour. You work eight hours. You get $64. You know, the taxes take it on $50. Or, or you can... Yeah. $44 and union protection. Yeah. And, union protection. Yeah. and you didn't really kill yourself either. No, the, the message you got all night long was pace. Slow down. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down, kid. No. Keep the expectation low. Yes. Yeah. There's a reason there's six of us. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, that's why there's, you know, I mean, I guess there's more shows at the Javits Center now, but for a while they, you know, yeah. people didn't want to go. It's just too expensive, right? Too expensive, right? yeah. You know, we have a little 10 by 10 booth and you have, you know, electrician. <laughs> Minimum two guys for two hours. Oh, yeah. It's like everything's pre-wired. You know, there's something to do. Yeah. 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 Do I went to uh, the auto show there once. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, I went to the boat show once at a customer show. Yeah, I used to do that stuff all the time. Yeah. It's always impressive to see a boat yeah. out of the water, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of them, yeah, they look so much bigger. Yeah, oh, the so hulls, much they, they look, sit so low in the water. Yeah. <clears throat> I used to sell to uh, Silverton Marine, and they have these big yachts, you know, and you go through, go through their plant at different stages, and I was, mm-hmm. I was so interested, you know. I bet. Yeah, the yacht oh. industry. Yeah. Yeah, the, like the cabinet making in yachts is a big, you know. Yes. It's like a whole, it's another one of those niche sectors of this uh, business, of this sector of whatever mill trade yeah um that's so specialized sure so so today you know a big topic is micro living you know getting these really small units but being very high quality and very functional right Mm -hmm. that's what the yacht industry has always done yeah they Mm -hmm. will always produce these really high quality high functionality but extremely small spaces yeah yeah one of the big things i always sell them are these solid brass push button knobs so the, the, the handle and knob would, wouldn't protrude, and then you push it on it, and it could pop out on a spring, so you could grab it, yeah. and you're done, you push it back in. It was a great oh, yeah. item for it. I yeah, put you, one of those in, actually. 
you don't want to get caught on stuff when right. you know when the boat's yeah. moving. Moving, you banged into it. Everything's got to have latches and yeah. seaworthy. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I I was doing this kitchen and the guy had remodeled the house and the contractor put the refrigerator right by the back door <laughs> and you couldn't open the, you couldn't open the door oops because the, the knob was hitting I yeah. said oh I bet there's like something from a boat place yeah there. right and then I wound up doing that for him but it, that was it's funny you know we'd run into shit like that oh, all yeah. the time yep <clears throat> yeah, as much as you try to plan and you try to figure something out it just yeah you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you think? We've been at it for two and a half hours, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, by pretty quick. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kind of a lot of Let's fun. wrap it up and get to stage two. Yeah. <laughs> Nick's actually on his way. Let's go. We'll get to look at that thing. Um. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for inviting me. It's great yeah. hanging out with you guys. You yeah. guys are really so, cool and interesting. I thought it was a lot of fun, you know? Yeah, we'll have to have you on again. It was a good episode. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, you're a good guest. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks. So, yeah. we're off. No, no, well, no, no, you know, we're still, we're you, still should, rolling. you should make a couple of phone calls to your hateful reps to be prepared for the business they're going to get. All right, yeah. so I'm going to I'm going to send everybody <laughs> two pens <laughs> so they can they can write those orders. Yeah, and um, they're but, still doing that on no pads. But 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 this is really important. If you reference this show, you're going to get a 10 percent discount. All right. Oh, uh, here's a question we get a lot: um, Can non-business owners? Um, Purchase. Yeah, they can. So, it, so what happens is um, we have a suggested retail price, and they can certainly purchase from us um, at full suggested retail. Mm -hmm. um, but also, if they Google it, a lot of our uh, dealers, distributors will discount off of um, suggested retail. Right. Okay. okay. So, so they could buy from us. And a lot of people think if you buy from the manufacturer, you're going to get the better price. But in actuality, um, if you call or Google a distributor, um, you can buy it directly from them, probably at a savings. Right, awesome. yeah, you've got like build.com, I think. Is yeah, we got those, yeah. you know, and then we have, you know, local distributors, even, yeah. you know, in 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 uh, Long Branch, you go to Bullet Lock. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we love that there. place. Yeah, you know, we don't do that much business with them, but they're, they're like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll process a hateful order for you. Talk and, about a place stuck in time. Yeah. I love yeah. that place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I have some distributors in, in New York City, you know, um, you know, like a Simon's Hardware and Elegance, you know, hardware. That's good and advice. And and so people just assume if you buy directly from the manufacturer, yeah. you're going to get a better price because you're eliminating the middleman. But really, um, we protect our dealers, and and they're just they're set up to service a person better than we are. Mm -hmm. You know, even like with general contractors, um, we're not set up to service a general contractor. Ship something to a job site where the local dealer, the local distributor, mm -hmm. their business model is, is to handle that better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so don't be afraid if if you thought that maybe you weren't a good fit for Hayflow. I'd, I'd say you know go to the website, check it out, and yeah. you can always yeah, and um, located distributor or a yeah. dealer, yeah, located distributor, and 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 also there's a lot of great uh, YouTube videos from Hayflow, <clears throat> so it'll show you how to how to install things or just to you know show you how it's used, and um, really you just take a uh, um, your, your 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 kitchen today that you've been living with, maybe it's 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 a nice kitchen. And you want to make it like an awesome kitchen and just by adding a couple of little products, a couple of little trays or maybe a little bit of lighting or a little, you know, insert or some new decorative hardware, you can really take what you already have um, and make it special. And that's what a, a fun part of our product is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The hardware catalog specifically, decorative hardware with Hayfla is, is, I mean, A, it's massive, but <laughs> yeah. the, the prices are, they're really, really good. Yeah. Uh, we have the Bible. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what we call it. In the old days when everybody had a printed catalog, you know, and we, we hand out a few, there's always one in the, in the bathroom, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the guys are sitting there just flipping through the pages, you know, killing time. I, I still love the old paper catalogs. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we always joke around. Um, if you're a skier, uh-huh. you like the printed catalog, you know. Yeah. If you're a snowboarder, you like things more online. <laughs> you know, it's that age differential, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm certainly a skier. I like to have my yellow yeah. stickies or, you know. Um, Dog yeah. tag my pages, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it, the other guys are like, "What? Like I can't do that on my phone." <clears throat> and it's funny, I can find stuff faster on paper too. And I don't know, I don't know why. It's just you know, that's that's my uh... well. They're set up with logic, yeah. Versus search words. So something I put in a search word, you get something completely I'm just wacky. Not native yeah. to it, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's not intuitive for yeah. you. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Ed. Yeah, thank you. All right, man. That's great. Thanks everybody we'll for listening. Soon. Yeah, we'll see you next week. As always, Rob and I thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. If you want to help support the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, we appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in. 